We can, if you want. Yeah, let's do it. That wouldn't be bad, especially with Heidel there, uh-huh. holding it down. And did we talk about Regis? No, not really. <laughs> we should. Okay, so for 5A, I have Columbine, Pomona, Arvada West, Rouson Valley, Regis, Jesuit. Um, do we need to talk Cherokee Trail? I don't really want to talk Cherokee Trail. <laughs> Why not? We did Thunder Ridge, though, right? For yeah, sure. We, we talked about them in our preseason. Did we talk Rock Canyon? I think we did, because we congratulated no, them on we their... Did not no, talk we didn't. Rock Canyon at all. Oh, okay. Well, let's put Rock Canyon in here. Especially because we do be getting some support from them. Alright, let me uh, put on a graphic. Alright, what's good, y'all? Welcome to the stream. Uh, we'll get this thing going in a little bit here. We're just getting our final list of um, teams put together, but... Basically, this one will be pretty chill. I mean, we're going to be talking about a lot of teams here in Colorado that we just did not get to talk about before. And so we'll talk about their season last year. And then kind of what's moving forward, it is like April. It's April 3rd when we're recording this. So we have some new information. We know, uh, you know, some things about player movement and all that great stuff. And so... We'll talk a little bit about the future, but for the most part, man, we're just talking squads, right, Cody? So I'm going to change this title real quick. <laughs> I said as I was adjusting my entire setup during the stream. <laughs> what? Don't worry about it. I got I got bothered by the way my screens were sitting. Okay. So. Well, anyways. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get it all figured out, you know. We have a, a lot of teams that we're going to talk about. And if you, the fans, have any teams you want us to talk about, like, we'll add them. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll uh, touch on them at least. There are definitely squads that, like, we've already talked about. And so, you know, we'll, we'll just say, hey, check out episode 100, 101, and then uh, we'll go from there. But there's a lot of teams that we haven't talked about. I think that's kind of a bigger deal here, right, Cody? Yes. And I am also putting that in the chat. Uh, welcome to the stream. Please drop any teams in the chat that you want to hear about or any clarifications or points you want to make about the season. We will also... I also have a tab open. New intro music better than Drake's last album. Well, thank you, Kleineru. Uh, shout out to Coach V, the DJ of our streams. Yes. Sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting this thing going here. Okay. Uh... There we go. Okay. I can also see the chat as well. Alright. Uh, Cody, do you have any announcements you want to make before we just hop into this thing, man? Well, first off, thank you guys who have listened to our season in review episodes. The, those two episodes have combined for nearly 500 listens. So yeah, That's insane. So, uh, shout out to Coach V also for those... Uh, season interview TikToks that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably be looking through a couple of those to see if there's any teams that we did miss. Um, but other than that, we're going to be talking about a lot of teams that we either talked about in the, you know, previews for seasons or teams that made the playoffs and we just didn't get a chance to talk about. Because, I mean, these two episodes were like a total of eight hours. So if people weren't trying to listen through the whole thing, that's totally understandable. And we still miss some because, I mean, there are a lot of teams in Colorado. So, you know, it's no disrespect at all. It's just, it's a lot. So, 
uh, we're constantly trying to find ways to be a little bit more efficient, and this streaming avenue should uh, treat us well in that regard. But Simon, I don't know if I want to toss... Let's see, any other announcements? I mean, look, we do request episodes on Mondays and Wednesdays. If you want your film broken down, go ahead and go to any of our social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have a link tree in there. There is a Google form. Fill that out and we will address it accordingly with an emphasis on seniors first. But, uh, you know, we've had a couple of juniors and sophomores and whatnot broken down. So we'll either do that on Mondays and Wednesdays between Mason and myself or on Tuesdays on streams or whenever we do streams with uh, film breakdowns that typically involve uh, Coach V or myself. So that's kind of the lowdown on Colorado football stuff. And if you're a football fan and you're experiencing some withdrawals this spring, make sure to tune in to Fridays for Coach V's women's flag football episodes. We have award trackers. We have playmakers of the week. We got power rankings. We got it all. And uh, recaps and looking forward to the next weekend. This is a big week for women's flag football. So go ahead and listen to episode 140, I believe, is the one that Simon released on Friday to get ready for this week. But, uh... Yeah, I think that's kind of the gist, unless Simon needs me to buy some more time. No, let's hop into it, and let's talk about Ray here. <laughs> uh, so, I am going to actually be playing clips and whatnot, so it's not just us, like, you know, showing y'all a bunch of other, like, stat lines and stuff that you yourselves can also look up. And so, that's that's what we're going to do. And so, this one, it's going to be of Casey Midcap. He's their freshman quarterback. Uh, didn't he win uh, Freshman of the Year uh, for the 1A level for us? I thought he did. I believe that he did. Um, yeah. I mean, he was fantastic, and he he was not the problem with with this raid team that, you know, had a really good run this year, honestly. And, Simon, if you don't mind me taking it away, uh, I was just going to jump into their schedule here and talk about some of their notable games, including their very first one that I remember doing the recap for, and noting it, being like, this is a surprising score. Um, and I didn't know if it was more of a testament to Ray or a worry for Satori. But uh, I think it ended up being a testament for Ray. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, Centauri, okay, in case you didn't know, Centauri obviously won the state championship against Lyman, who is pretty freaking good, you know. And so uh, for them to, what, lose to them... They lost to Centauri 28-14 opening night. It's not too bad considering, you know, where Centauri ended. And honestly, Ray didn't have, I mean, considering where their season ended as well, that's not too bad either. I think going into next year for sure, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but they're probably a contender. I mean, I I would be surprised though, for the most part. It looks like they're returning a lot of players. They kind of had a younger team, you know, and so you could throw some... Uh, stuff there but honestly all the teams that ray lost to were in the 1a state championship this year uh you know because they lost to centauri and then they lost to lyman in the regular season 41 to 0 and then lost to them again in the playoffs 42 to 8 you know and so lyman and uh, centauri were both in state and so that's pretty good for this ray squad that looks to be returning a lot of guys right cody no, absolutely. On top of, you know, our Newcomer of the Year award for Casey Midcap, we also had, you know, uh, Bauer here at the tailback position. He was their leading rusher with 787 yards, and he was only a junior. So 
he's going to be looking to come back. I It looks like he's listed at 5'10", 180 pounds, so solid size for a running back. They'll have a couple of options also catching the ball, which is never a bad thing. And honestly, I watched that Ray game, right? And there were just... There were some bad drops in that game uh, from, from some players that maybe didn't drop the ball a whole lot. And, you know, one dropped first down that leads to a punt, that leads to a touchdown to two more drops on a drive that leads to no points, that leads to, Ray, to Lyman getting the ball and driving down the field and eating up a ton of clock. I mean, this Ray defense, you know, they forced Lyman to stop sometimes, and the offense just kind of sputtered out a little bit in that final game. But I don't think that should overshadow the success that this young squad had. I mean, they had an out-of-state win against Goodland in Kansas, and I'm not really sure what Goodland's standing is. I mean, I could literally just look at it. I mean, okay, they, they had a, kind of a tough year, but, you know, winning out of state is big for Colorado schools, one through the 5A level. So huge shout out to that. And then, you know, they kind of, they mobbed in league play in the hardest league in 1A. I mean, this league is seriously like the SEC of Colorado, you know, 1A football with Wiggins in there, who they beat by 13. Holyoke, who they beat by 17. Like Simon said, they lost to Lyman, but so didn't everyone else except for Centauri. So, you know, they beat Yuma in a close game. They took care of business against Burlington, and then they kind of bounced, you know, the other teams in the playoffs before facing Lyman. And... I think Ray is definitely a team that is on the up and up. Nine and three, you have to be happy with that. And second in that 1A league, that's just really tough. And you know, some of these things I think will get cleaned up this year. Just kind of taking a look at the stats here. You know, Bauer, like I said, he's a returning back, but you know, he did fumble the ball eight times and lost four of those fumbles. That is a lot of fumbles for, for a tailback. So he's gonna have to get stronger, protect the rock a lot better to you know make this Ray team better and the the good thing is that he has a senior year to do exactly that casey midcap is somebody who can be a little bit of a dual threat you know he picked up almost 400 yards on the season and they also have brady collins who i believe is somebody that uh we did a breakdown on i want to say he's a very familiar name uh, yeah and you know he's most of these guys play both ways keep in mind brady collins a really good linebacker so they have a lot of, you know, steam. And I think that they just have to, you know, kind of fix up some things on defense, work on their cardio a little bit from what I could tell in the Lyman game, because it looked like they just got worn down. I mean, Jeremiah Leeper had a field day with this Ray defense, and it looked like fatigue and the offense having quick three and out series kind of added up to that. So conditioning and then just better efficiency on the offensive end. And this Ray team, you know, uh, you're looking at a closer score for sure to end their season. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, look, this is a Ray team, like I said, that I pretty much believe is going to be a contender next year. I mean, look, obviously, why did they put it to you a couple of times? But most of those guys are graduated at the end of uh, this year and whatnot. And so even though that was tough, I mean, obviously, that Lyman squad is not only good for like you know the last couple of seasons but they're like historically good you know they they have a lot of records in the colorado high school football playbook uh playbook in the colorado high school uh football history book here just because i mean they're so dominant for so long so that's not even a bad loss here 
But I mean, just looking at this raid team, I mean, they had some dudes. Casey Midcap, like you said, Cody, great freshman who's going to get even better. Uh, the Wade brothers, Peyton Wade, I believe, won a uh, Playmaker of the Week one time for the 1A level. And then I, I believe. Did. Wait, what? I think he did. Yeah, he did. I, I forgot if it was you or me who gave it to him, but he won it. You know, and then I believe this is either his brother or someone who's related to him, Tell Wade. He's a 6'3", 230-pound defensive end tackle. He actually has a Division One offer from Wyoming this last offseason. Uh, he earned it in the offseason here uh, these past couple months. And I, we didn't know about it when we were doing our season in review. And so that's kind of a big deal. I mean, you know, we've heard some rumblings over there about them having an edge rusher, but... I mean, he's looking like a legit D1 guy, and so they're going to be returning him, and I mean, that's that, that could be a game changer, especially on the 1A level, to have a D1 athlete over there. And I mean, obviously, it showed this year because they were so good. I mean, he's also got an offer from Air Force. He had an offer at one point from CSU. I'm not sure if that was the older, new coaching staff. And then, you know, he's getting graphics made by Kansas State. This is a big deal. This is, you know, uh, a Dalton... Uh, Reisner level talent on the defensive side of the ball and he's built like that so that's somebody to keep an eye on for our top five uh, senior list but yeah both the Wade brothers were really good and Simon out of the nine top tacklers from last season they are returning seven on the defensive end of the ball mm -hmm. and this is something that we talked about in the season previews that hey the more experience you're returning on defense that goes a long way. I mean, obviously, you want to have the answers at quarterback. You want to have the answers at running back. But defense is one of those things where having multiple defenders together and having that chemistry take one more step in the offseason and more steps in the following season, that is a good build for a championship-level team. Oh, yeah. But you know what? We'll, we'll talk more about them, uh, you know, on next year's preview. But this last year wasn't too bad. I think it was definitely like a growing year. For a lot of these kids and i mean it's gonna show right hopefully like it's gonna show that they learned a bit from this last year and uh going into this next season i mean it's gonna pay off right or yeah and uh, they just they have to get over the lyman hump the year before that they lost in the playoffs to lyman the year before that they lost a playoffs and or lost in the playoffs to lyman in you know 2019 to 2020 season in 2018, you know, it was Florence, which is a little bit of a changeup, but they're the monkey that they can't get off their back is actually a badger. So we'll see how, how they face that adversity and, uh, you know, if this young quarterback and this solid defense can finally help get them over the home. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, uh, you know, let's keep this thing going. We're going to talk about our next team here, another 118, and that is North Fork. Now, they had a couple of players that made our end-of-the-year list here, uh, specifically Blaine Peebles for Opoi, I want to say, uh, Colson Holenbeek for Depoy, and I, actually, I don't know if they had an MVP candidate. I don't think they did, or a freshman candidate. But, you know, they're still up in there. Uh, this is a team that, I mean, they had dudes who put up stats, right, Cody? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Holenbeek was a tackle for lost monster. Yeah, I mean, shoot. What do you have? 26 like is ridiculous. 26? And then, oh, my God. Yeah, 26 right. tackles for loss. And then Carter Neff had another 23. Not to mention, I think you're thinking of the sacks. Because yeah. Colson Holenbeek had 14 sacks. Which, on the 1A level, oh, my God. That's 
That's it's kind of ridiculous, honestly. Like, who gets 14 sacks in, you know, uh, a level of football that definitely runs the ball a little bit more, uh, mainly because of numbers and, you know, it's it's hard to come across skill players. But 14 sacks, I mean, good gravy. Not to mention, you know, a secondary that also kind of feasted with 10 interceptions. Yeah, Dryden Taylor, uh, his uh, highlight reel is playing right now. He led, well, co-led with three. Blaine Peebles also had three as well. I mean, look, this North Fork team, they had some ballers, you know. Um, I don't know if we necessarily predicted that because we weren't as, like, familiar with the 1A level going into this season, but now we know. Now, unfortunately, a lot of those guys, I mean, this was a pretty senior-heavy group as well. Yeah. And so... It's, you know, you could kind of expect, like, yeah, you know, they're going to be pretty good because they have a lot of seniors. Like, Holenbeek, the lead sack leader, was a senior. Uh, their two interception leaders were seniors. Their lead receiver Gables. was a senior. Yep. Um, yeah. Leading Gables. running back. Leading running back. Oh, my God. That's we're, that's pretty bad. Was a senior. Uh, Dryden, Drayden Taylor, he was a senior, their quarterback and safety. And so... I mean, Carter Neff, I, hold up, wait. I don't know if he was a senior. Actually. Yeah, he is. He was. Carter oh. Neff is a senior. Oof, okay. So, look, they had a lot of seniors on this team. That's probably what you would expect, you know. And they, they had a pretty solid season, you know, 8-3. and three. Uh, In the regular season, they lost to Buena Vista 28-21. I mean, you could have won that one, so there you go. That was also at home as well. So that's, that's just kind of a tough loss, you know. Uh, played Meeker right after that, which is tough. In Meeker, lost to them 30-13. to That's probably another winnable game. That 30-13 to doesn't feel as close as it probably was. Uh, but other than that, you know, I mean, they had some pretty solid wins on the regular season as well. Specifically, well, maybe not regular season, but the, their season. But specifically against Wiggins, they knocked them out of the playoffs 38-25. to I think all of us... I don't know if all of us picked Wiggins, but it felt like the majority of us picked Wiggins in that game. And so that was a little bit of a shocker, not going to lie. Right yeah, there. no, for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, another thing, too, is in these playoffs, they scored the second most amount of points other than Centauri against Lyman. They did put up 19 points, which is more than who we just talked about in Ray and more than Bennett. So, you know, that's something that I think, obviously, you'd rather win State. But that's not something to uh, hang your head over. And, you know, outside of uh, outside of Meeker, they did really well in league. You know, they took care of business in league, um, scoring a lot of points. This is not necessarily a, a team that, you know, I, I associate North Fork here with, with a defensive powerhouse, with all the studs that they had on the defensive side of the ball. But they scored, too. Like, yes. like the lowest amount of points they scored all season was 13. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, other than that, I feel like they average like 30 points a game, which is kind of nuts for for a 1A team to be scoring like that. And uh, something to kind of look forward to is that they are bringing back a quarterback. Um, their, their quarterback's only a sophomore. He had four touchdowns to zero interceptions. So, you know, there's potentially something to build off of that. Yeah, they average 37.1 points per game. Bro. Holy crap. That's dominance. That's dominance. Yeah. So. we They deserve more credit than I feel like we have given them. And, you know, 
other media outlets, not that there's a ton of media outlets uh, covering them as well. There's literally maybe one other one outside of... Uh, I, say, I know I Anthony was pretty high on North Fork. Yeah, um, no, I he was. Did he choose North Fork, actually, in our playoff prediction? I Don't quote me on that, but I, I feel Wiggins? like Anthony did choose North Fork against Wiggins. Yeah, he did. He okay, did. So, so, you know, Anthony then knew. Uh, yeah. Make sure to check out our... Is it is it just Mile High Report? No, it's Mile High Prep. Sorry, say that again. At Mile High Prep Report. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, Simon's screen said blue time. Yeah, I no, can see it reflected on you. But, but uh, yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, I mean, this North Fork team, looking at how many seniors they have, in hindsight, they deserve more respect. I mean, they're gonna bring back a lot of guys and whatnot, and usually. At least on the 1A level, like, senior heavy teams almost always do well. As in, like, maybe they lose two games in the regular season. Maybe, you know. Um, at least that's what we've seen so far. And so this wasn't the biggest surprise here. But at the time, it definitely felt like a little bit of a surprise. I mean, against Lyman, they lost 46-19. But that's Lyman. I mean, Lyman beat everyone like that except for Satari, basically. So, uh, so yeah, but... Uh, I mean, that's North Fork. They had a lot of playmakers, a lot of fun guys to watch. Unfortunately, I mean, they ran into that Lyman buzzsaw. And on 1A, I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, that's that's the squad that runs it. You know, even when Centauri did win, I mean, for the most part, they, ha they have ran it. And that's no disrespect to Centauri or anybody else. That's just, you know, the history that's there. Right, Cody? I mean, the most dominant team in 1A in Colorado football, Probably. actually. History, yeah, I was so. about to say Colorado football history for sure. I would say, uh, and some would say yeah. Cherry Creek is their five A, but it's like ah, okay, like yeah, but they they're not close to you know Lyman right now in state championships. Yeah. they're ten behind, I think, right? Something. Like yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Dave, Dave Logan's gonna have to coach for like fifteen years, and he but. could. <laughs> but. uh you know that that was North Fork, and um, you know this is a team. This this next team here is one that has a little bit to be excited about, and is probably going to go through a lot of changes this off season. And I'm talking about the Florence Huskies. You know they are led by Levi Paxton at the quarterback position. But first, I'm just going to kind of take everyone through the schedule. And I was pretty high on these guys, and even a, I want to say that I awarded two players from Florence, uh, Playmaker of the Week, at least one. But, um, you know, to start off the season, they were on fire. I mean, they beat Peyton, who was a playoff team, 50 to nothing. They beat Clear Creek, 71 to zero. Um, they beat Wild Central, 46 to zero. Holyoke, this was a team, th this was a game that made me take Florence a lot more seriously because Florence is historically a team that, you know, struggles in the playoffs. And while they kind of did live up to that this season, this win against Holyoke made me... I, I was mowing a lawn. I remember where I was at. I was mowing a lawn and I was checking scores and I was like, what do you mean Holyoke lost to Florence? What the, what the heck happened here? 36-15. to 15. Dang, that's a pretty good win. And that from that point on, that made me take Florence a lot more seriously. And they would continue this win streak all the way up until, I want to say, week 8 when, when they ran into Buena Vista. And they competed very tough against this Buena Vista team and Buena Vista even had to come back in this game to to secure a victory and ultimately win their league but I mean 
it was still uh, a great run by Florence during this regular season. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I remember going into that Buena Vista-Florence game. I don't think any of us would have been surprised if Buena Vista lost. We obviously all favored them because I believe it was at Buena Vista as well, you know. But, you know, Florence, we felt like if they were for real, they would make a statement and go ahead and beat Buena Vista, right? I think that was definitely the vibe we had. And even going into the playoffs, we were like, hey, I don't know. I, I know the history is not on Florence's side right now, but, you know, maybe they can make a run here. Maybe they replace a team like a Buena Vista, who at the time we had projected to make state opposite of, uh, uh, opposite of Lyman, or at least some of us did. Yeah, I mean, they, look, we've broken down players from Florence before and know that this is a football school. You know, they they have a pretty rich history of producing some studs. I mean, I'm pretty sure Owen Bossetti went to Florence, didn't he, Simon? He did. So, Over at, and, he's and at he's, Ottawa right now. Yeah, he's at Ottawa. Uh, go Braves, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, you know, they produce next-level talent, and this this year is no different i mean they they had some dogs on on this uh on the squad you know and i want to talk about the duo that they had in the backfield i want to say it's um g is it oh dude i'm so sorry aguilar i know i'm saying aguilar correctly but is it is it just gene gene aguilar gian gian aguilar and then jacob kennedy I mean, these guys combined for 1,400 yards and 19 touchdowns on the ground. And it's always nice when you can have, you know, kind of a two-headed attack with two backs. But something that was really different is, you know, they had Levi Paxton. And they had a very balanced approach. And I thought that this might be something that allowed them to overcome some teams on the 1A level. Is that they could do both. I mean, their running backs were averaging like 10 yards per carry between the two lead backs. And Levi was averaging a first down every throw. So that's that's a great squad for for making a playoff run. But uh, unfortunately, they did run into Ray and they struggled in that Ray game. And I think that it was a bit of a learning curve for uh, Levi Paxton, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, Levi Paxton, he is a junior this year, will be a senior next year, I think. Um, look. We'll, we'll have to see about this Florence team. I mean, they are returning a good number of players. They have some players that we have done breakdowns of that are returning as well. And so that's that's a pretty big deal. That's pretty good. You know, like I said, senior heavy teams on the 1A level almost always do well. And so hopefully they continue to grow. Uh, we did get to see Levi Paxton at TFG tryouts. And I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm just going to keep it 100. Like, he could have definitely done better. You know, was he the worst? Like, was he horrible? No. Like, you could see that he has the arm, that he's athletic, that he has all these things. But, you know, obviously, it's a different environment. A, playing a TFG environment is very different than Florence, Colorado. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not exactly an environment where you go and succeed right away. It's an environment where you got to compete, you know, and you have to be, like, top 5%, top 10% to make it, to be completely honest with you. And even then, there are some guys who were that and didn't make it. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm at quarterback especially. So I'm just throwing that out there, man. I mean, you know, going into next year, I think 
they will probably definitely rely on Levi Paxton a little bit more here. I wouldn't be surprised if he threw 30 touchdowns, and his running backs could definitely eat from that as well. They'll get Each get maybe, uh, you know, double digits and touchdowns as well as... Uh, or hold up, are they both returning or is only Kennedy one? and Aguilar are both graduating? Oh, that's tough. Well, so still, they though, do have to lean on Levi more, uh, yeah. losing two solid backs. You do have Xavier Martinez, who had eight rushing touchdowns as well, and he's a junior, so so uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see. Their receiving core looks sweet. I mean, yeah. all of their receiving core was junior, sophomore, junior. And I think that they could put up big numbers if they really try and air it out this year. No, for sure, you know. Uh, but we'll see. This year, I mean, look, definitely a little bit of a growing year. Had, had a good year, though. Had a good year. I mean, like you said, Cody, beat Holyoke 36-15. Lost to Buena Vista by a touchdown. That's definitely a winnable game. And then they lost to Ray in the playoffs. Um, and not that was by a lot, too, 36-7. And so... I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right now because I'm sure this isn't a bad clip to keep, but don't be surprised if Florence and Ray they go deep in well actually no, never mind. Florence, they're moving up to two A, Cody. Did you know that? Is that confirmed yet? If Chassa confirms it, they they want to move up to two A. We will do a react we will do a reaction when that is confirmed to Chassa, yeah. by the way. So stay but, stay tuned for that stream. But yeah, Florence, sure. it sounds like uh, they could be moving up, which I think is good. Um, they have a decent number of players on their squad. I mean, I saw some very small team. I mean, Wiggins literally has like 30 players. Yeah. Um, and I think Florence's sideline is a little bit more full than that. And honestly, I think that they could be pretty good on the 2A level. I think that they could beat, you know, uh, a lot of the Southwest teams that, you know, I've talked about before. So I'm not too worried about them. I think that they could be a playoff team. But, you know, competing, you have to deal with the big bad. Up, uh, up in Northeast Colorado. So we'll see how that goes. Okay. All right. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. We'll see. We'll, we'll see for sure. But uh, so, I mean, look, not not a bad season, right? But definitely things to work on, you know, definitely a little young, a little green at some positions. And honestly, I mean, shoot, man, like what else, what else do you want, right? So there you go there. Uh, but I don't think I have anything else to say about Florence. I mean, they have a lot of potential. They showed it this season, especially as a team that could pass it a little bit. Going to next year, we'll see where they're at. Yeah, and that's a great transition that they're jumping up to the 2A level because up next we have a 2A squad that, uh, you know, experienced a lot of turnover in, in the offseason and maybe wasn't everything that we were looking for them to be. But uh, you know, still, still put up some respectable numbers. Well, maybe in uh, in rifle. Yeah, no, for sure. Let's let's talk about why we felt the way we did about rifle. First off, they won the state Their last coach. year. I mean, boy, yeah, yeah, they won coach, but they won state last year. That's why we were feeling them. We we're like, hey, you know, it's their championship to lose. You know, they have a good coach out there, obviously, in case of beer and all that. Uh, let's let's see. You know, maybe maybe they could get something going here. And, returning running backs in a run-heavy system. Yeah, I mean they're returning basically everyone, I believe, right, Code? I thought they were returning basically. They everyone. returned a lot. Um, I will say that looking at this schedule, there were they opened up with two three eighteen, which is kind of nuts. Um, 
to start the season. That's not really, you don't really build a lot of confidence with these first two contests. And then their first win was from a forfeit anyway. So the start to their year was basically as unideal as you could expect or could project. Sure. Um, Palisade, they ended up being a team that did win a playoff game in 3A, and we'll talk about them here in a little bit. Glenwood Springs is a team that is way more talented than their record indicates. And then, you know, Lincoln, who they didn't even get to face for finally drawing, you know, a 2A squad here. And then, I mean, this is just a brutal league schedule. I didn't realize how tough this 2A league was. And that's another thing, too, is, you know, the 1A and 2A levels definitely, you know, we've learned a lot over the, the past season and through all these breakdowns of programs, cultures. And, you know, every day we learn more. And uh, this 2A league was no exception. This is kind of a tough league. Uh, looking at who they had to play in league play. And, you know, they competed against, you know, teams that did go to the playoffs. And, you know, I think that one, you know, shimmer here of, of excitement or, you know, whatever you want to call it of hope is how they competed against Basalt. I mean, I know that they ultimately lost that game, but still to, to go to overtime and lose by one, that, that might get your hopes up here, but it will be a shuffling of the deck heading into the next season. I mean, yeah, this, it was just a little disappointing. I mean, look, losing your head coach, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, like they had a whole, you know, six months before he left. Like, you know, he left pretty close, I would say, to the regular season because they went to state and won it in May, and then he wasn't there in August, right? So it's, it's, it's a tough go. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a bit of a tough go, but that's just how it is sometimes. And so um, for them to win only three games, and really one of these games is a forfeit as well, eh, you know, that's not super surprising, right? Uh, that's that's as good as it gets. I mean, look, those first two games, playing Palisade to open up the season, um, that sucks. I would not schedule that. I would not schedule that yeah, if I was maybe, the AD. Maybe, I don't know what was going on there. Well, yeah, but maybe if they were confident with where they're at the season before, like, yeah, I would schedule that and be like, all right, let's see if uh, this offense of this same squad that won state in the spring could uh, turn up against this uh, tough Palisade squad. And so if it was the same coaching staff, then yeah, 100%, you know, but it wasn't. And so it just ended up being a lot more pressure and tougher than it was. Glenwood Springs, that's a tough game. Uh, probably a team we'll talk about eventually here, so... There you go. Then after that, I mean, having to play Moffitt County, which was a little bit of a sleeper with that stud of a running back and Evan Atkins out there, that sucks because he's basically white Adrian Peterson on the two-way level. So there you go. Yeah. Well, they lost to them 46-13. Coleridge, I mean, that's the other dub they got this season. Also, by the way, they have, like, no film, so I'm just going to keep replaying this. But <laughs> Coleridge, they beat 28-7, to but it's Coleridge. I mean, maybe the the best the best game you could be, I don't, a game you could be probably happy about is that Basalt game. They only lost to them 29-28 to in OT. And so, eh, for, for a team that lost as much as they did, this is not a horrible season. You still won 3-6. and six. But, you know, I don't know I don't know what you were expecting after you lost. Yeah, I don't know what, what more you could you could get out of that squad. Yeah, so and they have a lot of people graduating, so this is gonna be a big turning point year and you know, uh, this season 
you, you might want to consider how you're scheduling and stuff and just try and get some of these wins early to build confidence because there's going to be you know a, a little gap in confidence on this rifle squad between player to player and uh i think that building confidence is going to be the most important thing for you out of the gate yeah no absolutely i mean they're losing their starting quarterback also you know state championship quarterback trey caldwell who we thought was going to take a step forward but unfortunately it was what it was you know and then they're losing their starting running back Toto fletchell they lost their because they had two running backs in that state game so they already lost one of them going into this year and so they'll lose their other state running back uh after this year so uh it could be a bumpy ride for rifle i'm just gonna be honest with you and i i don't know i'm not gonna sugarcoat it it's not gonna look good <laughs> like it's gonna be it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough to say the least but we'll see you know someone has to step up but for now i don't think it's somebody that we know of just yet you know be eagerly away. They're yep. a rival. Yep, but uh, honestly, I don't have too much to say there. Uh, hey, let's talk about Delta, though. That was the last team that Rifle played in their season, um, and they lost to Delta 35-7. to So, so let's, let's talk about them. Cody, do you want to take the lead on this one here? Well, well I was about to say, speaking of arriving, I mean... Who, who arrove more in the 2A level other than, you know, Delta's very own Ty Reed, who, I mean, he was, he was our, I believe he was our newcomer of the year. And, you know, he threw 13 touchdowns to five picks, threw for 914 yards, ran for another 329. So, and 14 touchdowns, that's the real crazy part. He was responsible for 27 touchdowns as a freshman, which is just ridiculous. I mean... I don't even know if that was matched by anyone else in our newcomer uh, candidacies. So, you know, he's a dual threat quarterback. He has some moves. He's very dangerous in the goal line situation. Uh, they do run some RPOs over there at Delta 2. So they run a system that's very conducive to, you know, Ty Reed. And, you know, they got a lot out of him this season. You know, um, I mean, look, they also had a big time tailback in Timothy Horn, who had himself a really nice season with 11 scores, 1,338 touchdowns. And I mean, you could probably call this squad like a baby Erie squad, you know, here in the 2A level with, you know, some of the concepts that they ran and kind of how their team form was kind of put together. And, you know, that you also had a senior in uh, Hunter Goff, I want to say, yeah, Hunter Goff, who recorded 105 tackles. So, there's a lot of good things to like on this Delta team that, you know, oh my gosh, Ty Reed, look at that guy go. But yeah, there are a lot of things to like, and they had an undefeated, or not undefeated, they had an undefeated league play, I should say, and the only team that they lost to all year until the playoffs was a 3A playoff squad in Palisade. Palisade drawing a lot of these um, 2A teams, but, yeah. you know, it, it was it was a big year for them, and they clutched some of these really tough games in, you know, in their league. I mean, look, beating Basalt, giving them a whooping, beating Rifle, giving them a whooping, beating Aspen, giving them a whooping. All of those teams are teams, or subtract Rifle, Basalt and Aspen were teams that could score in droves. And then beating Moffat County 17-14, to I was really looking forward to their rematch in the playoffs because it was just such a highly contested game with, you know, 
uh, great defense on both sides. And then in the playoffs, you know, they opened up with a big bang. And I mean, they lost to university, but university honestly was a couple of throws away from making state and beating Eaton. So, yes. you know, I think that that's a good, that's a good bar to set here. And, you know, it was a learning curve for Ty Reed in this game who did struggle pretty mightily throwing two picks and no touchdowns in this game. So, and, and it looks also like, you know, they they had a, they tried a trick play here and it just, I think that it was just youth that kind of hurt them in this university game more than anything. And that's not really a bad thing. They are graduating, you know, Hunter Goff, they are graduating Timothy Horn, but look, if you have a quarterback, that's the hardest hole to fill out of any of them. So, Simon, what, what did you think of this Delta team? I mean, they kind of have a reputation for, for you know, producing some football players, but I did not see 9-2. and two. Well, here, here's the thing with Delta, right? So going into this season, we did not know about Tyree. You know, I, I think <clears throat> for the most part, most people did not know about Tyree. The guy that we thought was going to take over at quarterback was uh, Scarnhorse, was it not? Peyton? Yeah. Uh, Scarnhorse, yeah. And he wasn't a bad quarterback. He backed up, uh, was it Nolan Bynum, the quarterback for Delta last year and yeah. whatnot? And, so, yeah. and he and got he, snaps. And he got some time, yeah. Yeah, so it was like, okay, so Scarnhorse, he's the guy. He looked good last year. His experience. Year, you know, and so we'll, we'll see. But then, you know, the season goes on. I believe they started him, didn't they? Um, I'm not sure. He, he only had eight attempts on the season. So, but well, I mean, two TDs to no interceptions. I mean, Scarnhorst isn't a bad quarterback by any means. No, he saw and he committed somewhere too. So it's not like he's just not like, you know, like he's not doing anything. Yeah, he did start the season. He went five of eight for 116 yards, two passing touchdowns, 67 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown against Sunday. Which is pretty good. That's a great game. Yeah, that's really good. That's that's what you can expect from a senior quarterback. But down the line, you know, they kind of transitioned to Ty Reed here uh, in this Palisade game. By this Palisade game, Ty Reed was playing. You know, he went in that game. He went seven of sixteen, a touchdown, two picks. Also, you know, um, hold up, where is it? Uh, I almost he, wonder if an injury happened he to, ran to start horse to who opens the door for Ty Reed. Yeah, it, it might have been. Honestly, it might have been. And so that's just I mean, that's just a testament to how things go in high school football. One day you could be on top of the world, you could be QB1, and then next day an injury happens and a freshman takes your spot, you know, and, and has a chokehold on that spot too because he's a good one as well as uh, as is shown in some of these highlights, man. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for Tyree moving forward, but this season – Ooh, was definitely a bit unexpected. I mean, look, just looking at some of these dubs, I mean, man, they hammered. And I mean hammered, but saw it 42 to 14. They yeah. beat Moffitt County, like you said, in a close one. And then, you know, in the playoffs, obviously beat Alamosa. That was the game they were favored in. But losing to University, a team that was really catching fire and feeling themselves as, you know, you went down the line. That, that, that was just a tough one to draw. And also, they had to play in Greeley as well. And you know how the Chassa rules are. Like, you can't, I don't know, like one team can't have more playoff games than the other. And that's basically what came into action here. And so, I'm just, I mean, look, I love, love the university boys and whatnot. But you just got to think about it. If this, you know, playoff game was in Delta, 
how different would it be? Because that's not an easy drive from Delta to university. That's a couple hours for sure. Yeah, no, that's so, fair. And I mean, university dispatched of both of the teams here in the 2A West. So, yeah, and you know, playing it, at home in university is a little tough too. Because, like, they have a pretty nice stadium and whatnot, I would say. Um, at least the home side. The away side is really small, which is probably on purpose. But it's, like, criminally small. And then you have a bunch, like, huge stand, like, concrete, like, stands and places to sit, basically, at university. And so, and from what I heard, you know, they packed that stadium to the rim with university students, fans, supporters, whatever. And that's tough. Like, I went there when they played Eden. And, it, and that probably wasn't the most packed it could be. But even then, like, you could feel the energy, like, resonating after every big university play. You know? As- God. Especially when Greg Garza rolls out and you got one of his 6364 receivers in 101. Oh, my. That's, that's, that's a crowd. That's a <laughs> That's crowd fuel just waiting to be used right there. You know, that's that's wild. And so that's just tough, you know. Um, Delta, obviously much better than we thought they were. Probably could have made a run here if they didn't run to university at home. Even if they played university at their place, it would have been tough. But, I mean, going into next year, one has to think, like, okay, you know, uh, lost in the second round here, second or third round here. That's not bad. Let's see what happens moving forward with this quarterback who looked really good in his freshman year. And we'll get a film breakdown of him done soon, uh, too, here as well. Yep. But uh, is there anything else you want to add on here, Cody, on university? I mean, it hurts that you're losing your big-time running back and your big-time linebacker. But like I said, quarterback is the hardest hole to fill. And um, they, they have the answer for the next three years. So that is a sigh of relief. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you can you can live with that. It, it could be a worse situation. Let's be honest. It could be a much worse situation. So you can live with that. Yeah, be but, grateful. Uh, what? I said, be grateful. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, also, they actually throw the ball, so you know they're not gonna <laughs> just use them as a running back. And uh, yeah, so there you go. But anyways, anyways, <laughs> moving on. Cody, do you mind if I take the lead on this one? Give you a little bit of a break here. Proceed. What? Proceed. Oh, as I in you said advance, proceed. as in go. Yeah, and I will. All right. So up next, let's talk about Severance. I was looking through. We were looking through the teams that we didn't talk about in depth, and Severance was a surprising one because I, I feel like we definitely said, "Oh, we'll talk about them more," and then we came to playoffs. And we just talked about TCA's failures <laughs> much more than Severance's uh, success. And look, good God. Okay, we got to give this uh, Severance program a lot of credit. They're in year three of existence. Three! And they are so much better than the majority of teams in Colorado. I'm just going to be honest with you. They just start. I got to see them live against, well, against Eden. And then, obviously, against TCA, who has a D1 running back. And, oh, my God. First off, players are great, right? They have athletes over there. There's no – I mean, 
you could be it's a little surprising because Severance is out there and also you know there could be an argument that oh Highland is fighting for Severance athletes Eden is fighting for Severance athletes out there whatever right um, or whatever smaller program out there and so it's kind of crazy that there are athletes uh, that far out there but it's not just that it's how they're coached and they're coached extremely well tough defense man I'm like I don't know. I've, I've been looking at some severance film here at a couple different games. And just the way they play defense, how disciplined they are, how they give, you know, quarterbacks that throw the ball, not that there are many, a couple of different looks here. It's tough, you know. I mean, they, they play good uh, football, defensive football for the most part, honestly. And, I mean, I'm just a big fan of how they ran over there. I know they might be making that jump to 3A, but uh, here, let's talk, let's talk this season. This season they went nine and three, but their first one, two, I have the first. Okay, their first two games were definitely blowouts against the Evelyn. They made a statement, beat them 54-0. Against Niwot, they allowed a safety, so two points. Against Platte Valley, which was a team that I said was a sleeper for a lot of teams, no matter what talent they had or where they're at that season, you know, they still beat them 17-14. Took care of business. Against Brush, who made it to state against Eden, they beat 20 to 7. Against University, who played who was in the semis, uh, they beat them 34 to 13. I mean, look, man, we're like, God, what? Here, let me let me just like do this one more time. It's not until they play TCA where a team scores, or okay, yeah, it's not until they play TCA where a team scores over 20 points on them. And then it's not until they play the Academy on October 30th, October 30th, that is literally two months into the season, where a team scores three more than, at more, well, not more than, but, well, yeah, more than two touchdowns, at least three touchdowns, right? All season. You win. In, in a severance win. Wait, what do you mean? Oh, sorry. Because well, yeah, they right, faced right. uh, Rez and Eden before that, but. Right, yeah, in, in, in a win, you know, and obviously Rez is good. Eden, I mean, this 31-0 is a lot closer. There are like three or four goal line stands on fourth down, but they just didn't win, you know. Did they call the wrong play? No. It's just, I mean, look, it's power against power. It's 1v1, you know. Like <laughs> Sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're going to lose. And, I mean, Ryan Dirksen and... Um, Ryan Dirksen and Drew just proved to be a little bit more stronger on those plays when it came down to it. And so, I mean, honestly, if you take away those uh, three goal line touchdowns that they scored, I mean, that's like 11 points. So there you go. And then even Rez, who was on fire averaging like 50 points a game or whatever, they only limited to 24. And so this Severance team, I mean, look, they're a defensive squad, you know, defensive squad that isn't just reliant on like, a few athletes. Obviously, they had Caden Donovan out there, who should have been a top five safety. I'm going to be honest. You know, I think we all agree on that. Uh, he obviously holds everything together. You know, but I, I mean, you had so many, and I mean, so many other players on that team. We're talking about Colby Runner, who averaged like, geez, 11 tackles a game. You know, we're we're talking uh, Don Butts, who had like 14 and a half sacks. As a, as a junior, I want to say as well. So he's going to be coming back. He's not going away. 
I don't believe. Uh, he will graduate in 2023. Some of these are a little... I'm, I'm just looking at these. They're a little weird. We have the Gastic Brothers, Reese and... Uh, oh my lord. I know who it is. You have the Gastic Brothers. Oh, Reese and Parker. You know, they were going crazy at one point. I, like, early on in the season, they each had, like, four... Three or four interceptions or something crazy like that. Two or three interceptions, uh, probably. So, I mean, they had they so many for dudes. 12. Huh? They combined for 12 total on the season, just the two of them. There you go. Um, which is wild, because Caden Donovan had six. So, <laughs> so yeah. And then you had Brady Varney. I mean, we haven't talked about him nearly enough as well. He was the second lead. He was a second sack leader on the squad with nine and a half sacks. And this dude is literally a sophomore. Like, oh my god, man. And then, jeez. <laughs> and then you have Reese Gassick, like I said. He also had eight sacks. So he, Reese had eight sacks and five picks. His brother, who is coming back next year, had seven picks. Uh, you have Trevin Hole, who held it down at corner. I mean, god, they just had so much talent. That was just used so well. And they produced so well this season. Losing to Brush, I mean, went to state for a reason. It's not like they're bad. But, uh, Cody, what do you think about the Severance team? I mean, you, you said a lot, but, I mean, when you have a couple of players that are invited to the Blue-Gray, you know, kind of, the, the Blue-Gray Bowl, that's a big deal, you know? You, Trevin Hole, at the same time as holding it down at corner, he also caught eight touchdowns and led this team in receiving yards with 828 yards. I mean, this team had 17 yards per reception. Are you freaking kidding me? And that's with kind of a rotation... At the quarterback position, well, I won't say a rotation, but that's with two different quarterbacks throwing touchdowns. You know, you had uh, Hertzke and Hoffman combined for 19 total touchdowns on the year uh, to only eight interceptions. So both quarterbacks were efficient. Both quarterbacks were making pretty solid decisions. Overall, like 52% completion rate between the two of them. I mean, that there's a lot to like about that, that, you know, you have depth at quarterback. They're both competent. And, you know, you have a couple of different playmakers in the backfield. I mean, they also had, you know, Shorb, who was their lead back with nine touchdowns. But they definitely did a running back by committee here where, you know, the carries were split 116, 82, 57, 55. And, you know, even uh, even Reese getting 24 and also, you know, getting their wide receivers into the offense with, you know, Trevin Hole. Get himself getting 12 carries for 87 yards and just a lot of creativity on the offensive side of the ball and you know just a, a massive amount of discipline on the defensive side of the ball I mean on the screen you know at least in in my time there's a you know um special teams uh, fake punt play so lots of fun on this severance team for the coaching staff and for the players and you know I think that what they showed coaching wise and scheme wise that is what's going to hold this severance team to such a high standard for the next few years, especially experiencing amazing success so early. There's a lot to be stoked about here, and they're just getting started. They are graduating quite a bit of talent this year, but I'm not too worried about it. I, I have faith in this coaching staff. Talent, they're graduating like two guys. They're both I mean, really good. You know, Donovan and Hull is tough. Um, uh, is tough to be graduating, and then Reese is also graduating. So they are graduating 
uh, some talent this year. They are bringing back quite a bit of talent. You do have a point on the defensive side of the ball outside of those guys, like uh, the other brother who had seven picks and then uh, butts as well. But, you know, uh, we'll see how they how they fill those gaps. But there's still plenty to be excited about for this Severn squad. And, you know, I think that they'll only get better. They will only get better with this coaching staff in the offseason. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, obviously you're losing some talent, but compared to some other teams, I mean, they're really losing like three starters, three or four starters here. Because, like I said, this is a pretty young program. Um, they were only in their third year, you know, and so going to this fourth year, you got guys who were with them since the beginning for the first time ever, you know, that will be graduating as well. And so that'll be pretty exciting. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes and all that. But this Sevens team, very good. You know, they gave a lot of teams problems. And even going into the future, man, I think they're projected to go into 3A. <sighs> they, good God, they could be a problem on 3A for sure. And I think defensively, like, they're right there. Like, I think they'll translate really well to the 3A level. Offensively, I think so as well. I think we just got to see where they're at at quarterback. I know Hertzke, he he has flashed a lot of talent. Like, he could run a little bit. He could definitely throw it. Ugh, he's just so inconsistent at times. And, uh, you know, that, that, that was kind of tough. And at the end of the season, when they started rotating in quarterbacks, I believe Hoffman was up in there at times. And, uh, you know, he had Hertzke, and they were just winning snaps. I mean, they just didn't want one to go super cold. And I get it. You know, but eventually you got to find a quarterback. And so we'll just see about that. Um, I know they are losing Trevin Holt, but they have this young player in Jeremiah Hoffman, Cody, who you and I have seen because he's a team full gorilla guy uh, out of severance. And he was giving like five, eight guys the work, both physically and true. agile wise. Like he honestly, and I've said this a couple of times, but I figure I might as well say this. You know, uh, this one time around here, he's probably the second coming of Tucker Peterson, but for Severance. And for a team to be as stacked as you are defensively and still have weapons, even though you're losing Donovan, you're losing Trevin Hall, you got a guy in Jeremiah Hoffman who's like, he's a taller dude. I think he's above 6'1", 6'2", and he's still growing. You know, that he's going up against great talent on the 5-8. Like, he's going up against Cherry Creek corners and, like, like those type of talents, you know, uh, with TFG. And so, <laughs> like, he should be dominating um, if him and the quarterback are on the same, you know, um, agenda, I guess, schedule. But he, he should be dom- Yeah, same page, same thing. But he should be dominating if they're on the same page here uh, on the 2A or 3A level. And so... They are just getting started. They've made the semis pretty much every year. Sevens has. Uh, they made the semi-finals and the playoffs every year, except for last year, which was a pandemic year. Uh, and that's in program history. And so, you know, a lot of good things ahead of them. A lot of good things ahead of them. Cody, is there anything else you want to add on before we move on? Uh, no. I mean, they're moving to 3A, and our next team is already in 3A. Yeah. Uh, do you want me? I can take the lead on this as well if you'd like. It's up to you. Uh, yeah, sure. I think that this is a very interesting schedule to to kind of talk about. So I'll let you talk about that. And then, uh, you know, we both gave this team a Playmaker of the Week award as well. We did. And so the highlights that are playing now are of Fallon, Savalti, 
I used the first guy I want to say that I actually gave him Playmaker of the Week too because I remember looking through all the, you know, levels of football and whatnot, and then I saw his stat line, and I was like, okay, he's for sure Playmaker of the Week on this level. And so I definitely remember him being the first one that I personally gave it to. And so he was a big part of this Palisade team that was pretty good. You know, 4-0 in their league in that 3A Central West League, 9-3 on the season. I mean, they, they did their job, and they made a statement by beating a state champion in Rifle. Now, granted, you know, they're losing some uh, <laughs> losing some players, coaches, all that stuff. But, you know, at the time, there was still optimism for Rifle, and so I have to give them credit because they put it to them, beating them 35-3. to Lost a close one to Grand Junction Central, which is interesting. Aren't they a 4A, or are they a 3A team, Cody? I think that is 4A, because weren't they in Noah, Genoa's? Yeah, they're 4A. Yeah, that's interesting. So they lost to them 12-8. to Then they played another 2A team in Delta, beat them 28-10. to But that's a good Delta team, though, so just keep that in mind. Um, still beating them 28-10 to there. Montrose, the number one seed in 4A, they lost to them 35-7. to That is just a tough pull. I... <laughs> I not many 4A teams even beat them, so there you go. Then you have Conifer. They got back on track, beating them by 21. Beat Battle Mountain 28 to 17. A little closer there. <laughs> what a close one against Summit 29 to 26. But then bounce back and beat Steamboat Springs 62 to 26. Jesus Christ! What the? <laughs> oh my God, Simon! <laughs> I. Steamboat Springs is a team that's not even that that bad either. Like, I I didn't think it was that bad, but it was. So, there you go. Uh, Then, you know, came back to earth just a little bit here. Beat Glenwood Springs 27-14. Then got back on track, beating Eagle Valley 47-20. Pueblo East 45-21 in the playoffs. Then had to face Lutheran, who just, I mean, was as complete a team as any. Uh, not just on the 3A level, but in Colorado. And uh, they lost to them 49-7. to And so, Palisade, I mean, look, we know they play tough defense. We know that they run the ball a ton. Not too bad of a season here. I mean, they had a lot of playmakers out there. Uh, Cody, do you want to talk about some of their playmakers outside of the one? I just mentioned the junior running back, Fallon Savalti, who will be back next season, by the way. Yeah, and so will their other big-time playmaker, on the offensive side of the ball, as referenced in episode 69, nice, the week five recap, Malachi Espinosa was crowned the playmaker of the week on the 3A level, and it's not very hard to see why, as in this Conifer game, you know, the passing stat line, schmassing stat line, you know what I mean? He was definitely a runner more than a quarterback, and that was very obvious when he had 12 carries for 130 yards in five touchdowns he was he was running crazy on this conifer squad that you know has a reputation for playing solid defense but uh malachi did not care about their reputation in this game as he ran wild and so did uh, a lot of the rest of the squad you know i mean uh this wasn't uh salvati's biggest game but another junior in wet ward also ran for 93 in this game and that was their bread and butter lots of running the ball i mean Look, I'm not, I'm not a huge wing T guy. I feel like they do it in somewhat creative ways from time to time. They'll also run out of Wildcat, and their quarterback also runs with the ball, too. 
So, you know, talking about overall stat lines and how good they were at running the ball, this team ran for almost 4,000 rushing yards. I mean, they had 1162 out of Malachi, who's a junior. They had 1,011 out of Salvati, a junior. They had 836 out of Rhett Ward, a junior. And, you know, their, their biggest senior was Barks here with 680 yards. So even he still produced, and I mean, they averaged 7.2 yards per carry and ran for 46 freaking touchdowns. I don't even know what to say. That's what, that's what looking speechless looks like, okay? And, you know, I was a little worried about them heading into this Summit game. I thought that Summit was on a bit of a roll, and I thought, yeah, you know, this is going to come down. This is going to determine who wins league. And they also have that quarterback out there, uh, Sheerholtz, I want to say, uh, Jack for summit who and he played a phenomenal game in in this contest scoring all of summit's touchdowns literally passing for three and running for one doing everything he could but just couldn't overcome the might of 313 rushing yards and four touchdowns between the big dogs the bulldogs the bulldogs i should say uh for palisade who you know ran for four touchdowns in Espinosa Ward and Sabati, and they're all coming back next year. So this will be a very interesting conference to keep an eye on between uh, Summit and Palisade. But I mean, they they took care of business this year, and you know, I was earlier I was like, you know, they did face two two A squads, but they balanced it out with with the four A squads. So that's how their schedule ends up being strong, and how they get this nine and three record. And you know, ultimately just kind of ran out of juice in that Lutheran game, but uh, still a lot to be proud of this season, honestly. Not to mention one of our uh, best of the rest uh, linebackers that you had a chance to break down. Isn't that right, Simon? Yeah, in, uh, in Kevin Sogren, he's actually going to Wyoming. Won't be playing linebacker, but he'll be playing defensive end for them. And I think that's a, that's, that's a lot better for where he's going to be at over at Wyoming and whatnot. I think this year, I mean, he was like the tackle leader for 3A, and I think Colorado potentially as well. At least he was top five there. I mean, he played the run super well. That's going to be kind of a big loss, not going to lie, because just watching through his film, I'm like, God, like, the rest of this de defense almost doesn't have to do anything when it's a run play, because he just shuts it down himself. Because he's that good playing the run, super disciplined, super smart, you know, playing the run for sure. There are some guys who, like, you know, kind of just use their athleticism to get away with being a good run defender. And then you have some guys who have athleticism but are super smart as well. And, you know, I mean, they plug up holes and do their thing out there. And so he's going to be missed for sure. But, I mean, he was a big part of this defense. And so whenever, I mean, honestly, whenever this Palisade team had to go up against another team and they had the lead, or wait a second, what am I trying to say here? Whenever, sorry, Palisade was trying to get back into a game and another team was running it, you could almost certainly rely on Sogren here to go ahead and shut down that drive himself. And then they could get back into it. So that kind of helped them out and made up for a lack of a, I guess, pass game even though they did have a pretty dominant run game. And so, there you go. I mean, Palisade was a pretty solid team. Uh, I mean, look, I didn't expect them to beat Lutheran, honestly, but some of the teams that beat here, I, like, I definitely understand, you know. Uh, beating Pueblo East, I feel, felt like that was a pretty easy pick for the most part there. And honestly, if they did play Lutheran, maybe they would have had a little bit of a longer postseason 
because, I mean, this was a team that had talent. I mean, they ran the ball a ton, but they were creative with it, and they had a couple of different guys who could run it. And then defensively, they were tough, you know. And so next year will be interesting. We'll see how they continue to adapt and all that. If they adopt a little bit more of a passing game just to ease up some of that pressure, because I think, honestly, losing to Luther the way you did, you got to think, like, okay, there's got to be – like, we got to have at least one or two passing touchdowns to go with these four or five that we average yes. a game, three or four that we average a game. Just because it's, I mean, when you get, when you play a team like Lutheran, who's as complete as they are, and I'm sure they will, you know, eventually this next season, it makes it, like, you got to be almost perfect on offense and defense with the scheme that you're running on. Oh, because if you're just running it and you go three and out two or three straight times, then you're screwed. You know, and it's like, oh, shoot, now we're down by 21, and all we know how to do is run the ball. So not only is the clock going to be going, but our run game that hasn't been working two or three drives in a row is also screwed currently. And so we need to break one or two big ones, which is a lot to ask, honestly. It's almost like saying we need one or two Hail Marys for this offense to be okay. So we'll see. We'll see. But they have athletes over there. No doubt about it. They had a pretty good season. I think playing some of these tougher teams also helped them out as well. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But, uh, yeah, I don't have too much more to say, uh, Cody. If you have anything you want to add on here. I mean, it's the same thing with every team that is close but no cigar, literally only running the ball. It's a conversation that we're going to have later this episode anyway. So <sighs> yeah. might as well just keep going. Okay. On to the 4A level, I believe. Yeah, let's let's talk um, about it. So uh, Throw the damn ball <laughs> do you want to talk about it do you want to lead this one or do you want me to i'm good either way um you can lead this one and i can take the next one i think that makes sense fair so up next we have mason richard i'm about to play some Noah Ramirez highlights. oh 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 wednesday wednesday no ramirez film breakdown I, I did his for his request so uh this go. is topical this is it is topical. topical. I also met uh, their head coach last Friday. He didn't know it was me because I was working for the city of Colorado Springs. So, uh, uh, JC out there, hey man, appreciate you. You know, I know you coached a, a tough game against Vista Ridge, but also that team has been playing basically year round. So, you know, it is what it is. But anyways, uh, look, I like Coach JC for the most part. I believe this was his first year, either first or second year. And uh, Mason Ridge, they went 5-6, and six, but they are definitely better than this record, I would say, personally. And so here's how it went down. Opening up the season against Denver South, you win a close one, 31-28, love to see it, a dub's a dub. After that, you have a really tough matchup against Palmer Ridge, who the year before did go to state. Now, obviously, they, they lost McAllister, they lost Saxon Wright, they lost a lot of players. But it's still Palmer Ridge. It's still the Monument Moving Company who you got to do battle with who has like four or five D1 and power five D1 offensive line. Like arguably the best line in the entire state. Uh, plus you throw in Costanzo who's like arguably the best athlete in the entire state. Um, you have a good running back in Connor Cook out there as well. So, or wait, did I say Connor Cook? Is it Connor Jones? No, it's it's Connor. Or, what you're talking about the running back? Yeah, right. Yeah, Connor, Connor Jones, Jones is the is lineman, a left tackle. Sorry, but well, Connor Cook is also a quarterback for Michigan State. 
um, plus the Raiders back then. So I, I got a little confused there. But yeah, so you had a good running back there. Um, and even on top of that, you have KJ Smedley. You had, like, you had, they have so many dudes. And they go toe-to-toe to them, with them. And they barely lost by three points. They lost 30-27 to against Palmer Ridge. That's probably a game that we would have loved to see them win. But that's, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, for now, it's not too bad. 30-27, to 27, you could kind of live with that if you're Mesa Ridge there. But after that, play Pueblo East, I believe. I don't know. Is Pueblo East a 3A or a 4A team? Because I saw Palisade play them, didn't they? Pretty sure they're a Central? 3A team. Yeah, but, well, yeah. they lost to them. This is, this is one that they definitely dropped. For sure. Yeah. This is a game that they should have won. They were not playing up to, or uh, they were playing down to them. So it was definitely different. But then you bounce back, beat Whitefield 35 0, beat Canyon City 35 20, lost the Fountain for Carson 7 0. Uh, y'all went to that game. I wish I did. I didn't. That's probably a game you could have won as well. You know, <clears throat> then you lost Pueblo West 35 14. Not even that bad, honestly. Then you bounce back with easy dubs against Colorado Springs schools. 49-7 against Coronado, and then really close one, 14-6, but you still beat them uh, against Rampart. Then in the playoffs, or wait a sec, I want to say this is the playoffs, right? Against Fuda, or no, 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 no. Um, this is league still, sorry. Against, uh, well, dang, this is a tough league game. But against Fuda Monument, who was like a top seed team, I want to say, they lost them 36-35, so another one-score loss. At this point, they have three... One score losses against teams that were rated uh, high in the playoffs and all that. So that's that's tough. And then you play Denver South who gets revenge and they beat you in the playoffs 24 to 21. So go ahead and make it. Uh, oh, I don't actually, I don't think Denver South was rated above Mesa Ridge. It just felt like they were. So three losses against teams that were rated higher than you in the playoffs. You lost them by a score in the regular season. And so all in all, Mason Ridge didn't have a bad year. I mean, there were a lot of games that they probably could have won and, you know, probably should have won. Right, Cody? Well, I definitely think that they should have won this Pueblo East game, and then that changes their regular season record to 6-4. and four. Um, That's a pretty big swing, but 5-5 five and five as a regular season and getting into the playoffs, playing some pretty tough opponents. I mean, they got into the playoffs, rightfully so, and I think the seeds were like literally 16 and 17 yeah mason ridge was 16 denver south was 17 so they were as close as they were at the beginning of the season as they were at the end of the season so i'm not too mad about it i think it's kind of funny actually that mesa ridge won in denver and denver won at mesa ridge um it's just kind of silly how that worked out but uh you know four points is the difference between five and five and seven and three for this team between the fruit of monument game and the pueblo east game uh i think that those are the two games that they could have won the most. Uh, Fort Carson, I mean, look, they had three guys on our top five corners list who all deserved to be there. And I I can vouch for that because I saw them put in work uh, against this Mesa Ridge squad that did have some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Cash Cheeks being just a big body target and um, oh my, Desmond Burton as well, who's a big yak kind of guy on the offensive side of the ball so you know there are there were some seriously good good talents on this mesa ridge team and Noah ramirez did a great job of getting them the ball in space 
And, you know, that was kind of their bread and butter all year. And, uh, you know, it produced a pretty solid season for this Mesa Ridge squad that I think, uh, you know, I, I think that I'd say that they probably exceeded expectations, even even with the talent that they were returning who started the previous year. Uh, at least they exceeded expectations for myself. And, uh, you know, I was thinking five five. That's good. That's a good record, uh, especially with some of the holes that they had on this roster. I think that they, you know, overachieved, and they had to compete. They have to compete for talent uh, where they are at. So, you know, it's always good to good to see them kind of break through. Noah Ramirez being an NAIA level quarterback, it's always good. And uh, you know, having a couple of next level players uh, really helped this team. I think that this team was definitely carried by you know some solid coaching, getting their playmakers in the right spot, and playing to a few players' strengths here. Oh my God, what a hit! Um, and and helping this team get some dubs. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, man, I'm just looking back. This Mesa Ridge team had a lot of talent. I think I might have called them a dark horse at one point just because of how much talent they had. No Ramirez, he was a quarterback that I felt like, you know, could potentially be a D2, D3 type guy, a next level guy for sure. You know, <clears throat> it just kind of depends how he develops. Uh, Nico Allgood, the running back, you know, he didn't have a bad year. 70, 77.5 yards a game, that's pretty solid. Desmond Burden, great athlete on offense and defense. Can't go wrong with that. Cash Cheeks, great athlete on offense and defense again. And then Elijah Davis, you know, somebody who's super versatile as a linebacker. If we had him rated as an inside linebacker, he would have made our top five list. And then at that point, you know, you have Cash Cheeks and Elijah Davis, two guys make our top five list and that's pretty good for a foreign squad and so you know unfortunately they're graduating all those guys i just talked about and so next year will be interesting you're gonna have a lot of new faces pretty much everywhere honestly not too i mean like a lot's gonna change almost the entire offense almost the entire defense it feels you know as far as uh, starters and uh impact players go and so we'll see about that but mesa ridge i mean they definitely showed us quite a bit here so, uh, I mean, you know, not, not bad, but uh, definitely a team that might be on the rise here in the next coming years. So, uh, so yeah. But, uh, Cody, is there anything else you want to talk about when it comes to Mesa Ridge here? I mean, I feel like they're just a real underrated team with a lot of underrated talent. And at the end of the day, it just came down to a couple games that uh, just slipped away. I cannot say it any better. So, I won't. Cool. Well, <laughs> um, but I think that this, this is a good uh, good time to talk about a team that I got to see in person and a team that I'm very excited to see next year, who is, oh my gosh, they are, they're good. All right. And that is this Denver South Ravens squad, a uh, little bit of a Baltimore uh, call out here, but this uh, Denver South squad, I was really high on them heading into the playoffs and Honestly, I think that they probably should have had an undefeated regular season. Um, they did have a lot of young talent, and I think that that was obvious in some instances, especially in their playoff, you know, end to the number one seed in all of 4A. However, let's talk about this Denver South squad. You know, they dropped this first game to Mesa Ridge by three points, and, you know, right off the game, like, you know, I didn't quite know what to expect from Mesa Ridge, so I didn't know, is this a good Mesa Ridge game or is this a bad Denver South game? And turns out it was a good game on both squads as they, they're probably the most evenly matched matchup that got to face twice all year, other than maybe Chatfield and Dakota Ridge. 
Like, I think that just the way that the teams were built was very, very similar, and the way that they operated was very, very similar. And, you know, that's with a solid quarterback and, you know, with receivers who can make plays, but none quite like can't guard Shad. Uh, that's at can't guard Shad one. Shout out to Rashad Caldwell, who, oh my God. Yeah, it was one of my favorite moments of the entire football season, watching them face up against Aurora Central, who is a squad we will talk about. And, you know, this was a game that determined, well, more or less determined the winner of league here in this for a Metro 2 division. And in this game, you know, Joseph Capra, he is, I want to say, is he a two-star or a three-star quarterback, Simon? Do you remember? I want to say he's a two-star two, guy two right star, now. Two-star guy. Yeah, two-star uh, quarterback yeah. in Joseph Capra. He hits Caldwell down the left sideline, who just has burners. I mean, this is going to be like the fastest wide receiver senior class that Colorado has seen in in my memory, period. Uh, I don't remember having multiple receivers built quite like these guys. And uh, Rashad is part of that. He catches this ball, goes down the left sideline, and then he does this celebration where he gets down on the ground and he, he puts his hands like this and he's like kicking his legs, just, you know, kind of like this. And okay, Loki was really disrespectful, but I was catching the vibe. Like, Rashad just knows that he's like that, okay? And he's an incredible wideout talent. I mean, on the season, you know, he got for 1,193 yards, 15 touchdowns. Somebody who's more than likely going to end up on our top five wide receivers list. And he's six foot two. So, as six foot zero, but two as in additionally. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've got to lose it on you, Simon. He's six foot as well. And, you know, with that speed and that size, he's just a huge mismatch for a lot of defenses. And he has a quarterback who can get him the ball. You know, Joseph Capra, he's somebody who can push the ball downfield. He threw 33 touchdowns this year, some of the best in the state of Colorado. It's only five picks, too. So excellent decision maker. I liked a lot of his decisions in the... Oh, hey, check this out. Uh, first time chat from uh, 7678 uh, here. I remember being there for the game for South versus Aurora Central High School. I was benched, so I can't speak much, but they are a really great team. Hope we see them again. And it was a really fun game. You know, it was only a couple of tough mistakes on that Aurora Central squad, like some fumbles that kept them out of this. But, you know, Denver South, kudos to them for playing a very clean game in that. Having a very balanced offense with Joseph Capra throwing the rock pretty well. And then, you know, Chevelle early who's only a sophomore at the tailback position who racked up 17 touchdowns and ran for over 1,000 yards as a sophomore. So this offense is returning their big three. You know, you we always talk about big threes here, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and Denver's health has exactly that and is somebody that, you know, it consistently has competed in the past. I think that they probably should have won their, you know, they probably should have won the spring ball tournament. Um, but, you know, regardless of that, they competed this year. And honestly, I think that with the experience against Montrose, that makes them really dangerous heading into the next season. And I haven't even got to talk about um, the younger Burke brother, who is a stud on the defensive side of the ball. And Mason was taking notes on him for some of his senior year lists next year. Simon, I just talked about a lot from this Denver South squad. But, I mean, it's only natural since I did get to see them live and know that all of these, like, stats are one thing, numbers are one thing, but all of the talent that they have backing up these numbers is legit, dude. 
Well, yeah, let's let's talk talent then. I mean, look, <clears throat> you look at their schedule, not a ton of, you know, tough teams here. I mean, Mace Ridge, they're pretty good. Uh, pretty solid, I should say. Maybe not pretty good just quite yet. Broomfield, that was a great dub. That really put them on 48-40, yeah. you know, in a shootout against Cola Crew. A, a great quarterback in the same class as Capra. We'll keep an eye on that. I think uh, next year they might be playing again. I want to say so that might be a game that we need to send somebody to because that might be big time as well. Volunteer. As in, I volunteer as well because I haven't seen either quarterback play yet, and I need to be on top of that as uh, as that guy. But anyways, I'll get there eventually, you know. But uh, that was a big one, and then you have Wheat Ridge, Stanley Lake, Gateway, Cody, who you uh, slammed pretty bad in our season in review. Grand Junction, Centaurus. Who you also slammed in our season interview <laughs> pretty bad. Um, they beat Aurora Central, like you said, that's huge. And then this was kind of an interesting one. They lost the Vista Peak in the last game of their season, 24 I have to 14. No idea why that happened, bro. They should not have lost that game. Well, I mean, Vista. It's not like Vista Peak sucks. Like they, <laughs> they have, they have talent, and I think they made the playoffs too. Um, did yeah, they? they did. Okay, okay. They, it might have been close though. But Vista Peak, I mean, they had our number one receiver, Jordan Mayfield, plus a couple other weapons over there as well. So, you know, any given day, right? It could happen. So it's not like, oh, like Vista Peak, like that exposed them. They got exposed. You know, they suck. You're like, nah, Vista Peak has talent too. Just in general, I mean, here's the vibe that we know and that I want to say, honestly, people in Colorado want to deny outside of that Denver area, but... You know, the odds are stacked against Denver players, um, DPS in general, like the community, all of that. You know, if they could be doubted, they will be. And so we called that out when talking about our playoff preview and said, like, hey, you know, there's really, like, Denver South is better than a lot of teams that are ranked above them in the playoffs. So it's going to be honest, you know. And there's a reason why most of us picked them against Ponderosa even. Um, or wait a second. Not Ponderosa. Am I thinking of someone else? Sorry, Montrose. Even. We did pick Aurora Central over Ponderosa, which we'll talk about both of those squads here that's in a bit right. as well. That's right. I was like, wait a second. I knew it was one of these two. But yeah, but even I picked them against Montrose, like uh, predicting the bracket and whatnot. And so, you know, like it's like, okay, like they're just not getting the respect they deserve. And maybe they won't even going into next year. But just know, like obviously, we got a lot of respect for them. Joseph Capra. He's a next-level quarterback, either D1 or D2. Right now, I kind of see him as a little bit of a Briggs-Wheatley type. That's just personally me right now. Uh, maybe, well, not maybe, but just more athletic than Briggs, in my opinion. But we'll see. You know, a big year from Joseph Capra. He could really garner some offers here. Rashad Caldwell, uh, Sean, he already has like a billion offers. Like the entire damn Ivy League is recruiting him, basically. Four six GPA, dude. Yes, he's a smart Shout dude. Shout out to... Can't, can't guard Shad, and you can't uh, bring him down with test scores either. Yeah, no, because literally it's like Columbia, Princeton, Yale, I think. Like you have a number of Ivy Leagues who are who are looking at this kid and have offered him already for the most part. Now it's just like, all right, like which first off, which Colorado school is going to do it? Because if I'm being honest, Northern Colorado should have done it maybe two years ago. And then CU and CSU, we know how they feel against uh, Denver players, to be honest with you. So there you go. But that's uh, at least that's how it looks like 
because you haven't done anything to really help Denver of football. So I'm just going to be real with you, you know. And so we'll see. But Rashad Caldwell is easily a D1 guy, you know. Capra is probably a D1 guy. Chevelle Early, I mean, he's a good player right now. So we'll see. But he's probably a next-level player as well. And so this Denver South team has a lot of talent. Losing 56-19 to against Montrose. I mean, that's just one of those teams. If you make one or two mistakes early on, they just keep piling it up because all they do is run it. And so, like, if you make one or two mistakes, like, on offense, then it's like, oops, you have only two drives in the first half. Now what? <laughs> and you're down by 20. Like, now what? You know, not only does your offense have to be perfect, but your defense needs to get a stop. And they're going to go for it on fourth down, too. So you got to have four really good, you know, downs. And that's tough uh, when they just, you know, they're just exhausting you out there. And so we'll see going into next year. But this was an electrifying team throughout this season, honestly. Overlooked because they're a Denver team, honestly. Uh, but going into next year, I mean, I expect nothing less. I think that's fair, right? That's fair. The I expectations think. are sky high for yeah. me, for Denver South. So. Yeah, that's fair. I, I would say that's more than fair, honestly. So so there you go. You know, just uh, keep an eye on those two. But uh, coming up next, <laughs> I kind of forgot to put this team with the 3A teams. So we're going to have to drop back to 3A. But uh, let's talk Pueblo South. Uh-oh. Or did I forget to do that? Look, south to south, all right? That's just how it's going to be on this one. Yes. Uh, I could talk about him if you want. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they were just kind of unlucky to start the season is the big thing that I want to say before we jump into their schedule. Yeah, I mean, but, well, here's the thing, though. Ooh, what a hit by Chase Bell. Oh, my God. But, but here's the thing, though. Before the season, like we mentioned them briefly, we said they'd have to rely on Jace Bell at quarterback uh, and then obviously he's going to play on defense as well at corner. But at quarterback, we were like, okay, if Jace Bella goes crazy, like just has a crazy like quarterback season, you know, this Pueblo South team could definitely be a contender. <sighs> to start the season, definitely a little rough. Holy family, they lost 34-27. to Then Discovery Canyon, I came uh, to that game actually on the, uh, it was uh, it was near the end like in the fourth quarter, because I was coming back from a Lutheran game, and then I came back in time for this. But they lost to them 21-13 to without Jace Bella playing. And that's when he kind of missed a couple games here. But they went on, beat LP 26-7, beat Thomas Jefferson 42-18, beat Green Mountain in a close one, but still beat him 23-21. Uh, forfeit against Canyon City, that went in their favor. Centennial beat them 49-14. And then this last stretch here was when it was like, okay, Jace Bella, he's back, he's healthy. If they're going to run Pueblo, they got to beat these Pueblo teams. That's what it came down to. And so they went ahead, won a close one, a very close one, against Pueblo East 20-19. Turned around and beat down Pueblo Central 35-6 to for an extra measure. And then they lost kind of a close one to Pueblo County 13-0. But at that point, their spot in the playoffs was secure, so it kind of didn't matter. And then they lost the Holy Family 34-18. We talked about that game. We said that game could probably go either way. That game's a lot closer than it looked. And it's just tough, you know. But honestly, one would definitely have to think, what would happen if uh, Jason Bella was healthy? 
because he is arguably the best athlete on this team. Now, you have Ray Aragon and all that as well, who, you know, did his thing at corner and I believe on offense as well. But I mean, you just got to wonder, like, if Jace Bell was healthy, where would this team be? Because even when he wasn't uh, the healthiest on the season, that he threw 4,148 1,148 passing yards, 10 passing touchdowns, only two picks. One of those picks was against Pueblo County, who he only had 14 attempts against. Then the other one was against Green Mountain, and they still beat them, so it didn't matter. Then he also had 588 rushing yards and eight rushing touchdowns. So, altogether, 18 touchdowns on offense, uh, a little over 1,600, 1,700 total yards, you know. He had a solid season for somebody who was hurt. You know, and honestly, like we said, when it came down to it, it came down to, you know, Jace Bella and his health. And that was just kind of a tough deal for them, honestly, when all was said and done. Right, Cody? I mean, when your backup quarterback throws one touchdown to five picks, that's tough. That's really tough. And it looks like, uh, shout out to uh, CJ Dynamic. Thank you for entering in the chat you know like we, we did say we were un they were unlucky to start the season and it looks like uh some covid sanctions or some covid implications down 14 dudes in the last oh my god that's a lot of players to be out of good lord that's terrible uh so thank you for filling us in on the covid things these are things that you know we don't necessarily know because i mean there's no injury report for high school football okay so like we know what the box score tells us, and, uh, you know, losing 14 guys is really tough. Not to mention, I mean, this Holy Family team that they did lose to in the playoffs was really good. Jacob Lover had a career game in this one, running for 218 yards and three scores. So, you know, A, it's a talented team. B, you're out of a lot of players. And C, that's just, that That sucks. Um, and, you know, that. not to mention, ugh, Sorry, kind of getting scrambled here a little bit. Um, responding, oh, it was an exposure to the week night game. Wait, they didn't have anyone that was COVID positive. It was an exposure. Okay, so it was like a, uh, what is it, quarantine kind of deal, it sounds like, from, let's see, week nine. Is that Pueblo Central? Nine, yep, Pueblo Central. So uh, I, I, a big win that came at uh, an unlucky cost, I guess. Um, and, you know, that's something that happened to a handful of teams these past two years. I mean, that's just, it really just un is unlucky. I mean, Fairview is a team that had to forfeit a playoff game from COVID, either tests or exposure. And it sucks when it happens and it shoots us out of uh, even better games. But, um, you know, that's, one of, that's a classic, it is what it is kind of thing. And, uh, you know, despite all that, this is there's still a lot to be happy about this season, you know. Seven and four, not without, you know, seven and four, losing two of those games without Bella to start the season. And then, you know, in injury slash uh, COVID quarantines impacting these last two. Honestly, there's a lot to be happy about here. And not only did Jace Bella have a phenomenal year and losing him kind of hurts, um, especially with a backup quarterback, you know, kind of having a, a tough out on the quarterback side. But... Also, they're big playmakers in Ray Aragon, as well as Mateo Escobar. You know, these guys balled out on both sides of the ball. 
They had nine combined interceptions between the two of them. Ray with 181 interception return yards, like an absolute manimal. And if I recall correctly, I believe I was told that Ray, he only played one year of, of fo football. He was a basketball player before that, but then, you know, turned up. For the season, you know, catching 435 yards and four touchdowns. Mateo Escobar catching five touchdowns. So they have playmakers. And, you know, their top three, four, five, six, seven receivers. Granted, you know, uh, one of them only had a couple of receptions. But their top seven or eight receivers are all coming back. They are all not seniors. And there's just a lot of upside on the offensive side of the ball. And with a defense that can force a lot of turnovers through the air... There's a lot to be excited about. It's just who's going to throw them the football this upcoming season is my biggest question mark for this Pueblo South team. I mean, yeah, quarterback is always a big deal, man. And, I mean, Pueblo, I mean, they got, there's always a lot of talent down in Pueblo. You know, all these teams are battling each other. We know what West has done. We obviously know about South. Pueblo South has one of the strongest football cultures in Colorado, period. So, you know, like it's we'll see. They're they're a team that's gonna be like kind of a, uh, like I don't want to say a perennial contender, but they're gonna be around. Even a down season is like okay, like you know they're still gonna be a couple games over five hundred then, you know. And so uh, it's really just next man up. Like who's gonna step up and do their thing? Also, by the way, I, I was just looking at their huddle. They have this kid Orion Birch who is six three, three hundred thirty pounds as a sophomore. At center and guard. Um, here he is right here. Which is, <laughs> good God, that's wild. But anyways, yeah, I mean, that's Pueblo South. I mean, look, they got they got hit by the injury bug and not just that, but by the COVID bug as well, which not many teams did this season. But when it did, like you said, Cody, it was definitely pretty, uh, it was pretty devastating. We talked about how Fairview literally, like, made the playoffs and then, they were done. Their season was done. Um, like the night before uh, their playoff game and whatnot, that's when they found out their season was done all of a sudden. And so that's just how it goes, you know, sometimes, which is unfortunate. But like you said, it is what it is. So, uh, so yeah. But that's Provo South. I mean, look, they got dudes. They always do. You know, it's Provo South. And so going into next year, I'm interested in seeing how – they cope without Jace Bell. Obviously, this year, they had plenty of experience, I would say. You know, and so there's there's probably a couple guys in the running there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have too much more to say on Pueblo South. They're a good program over there. That's, that's something that I feel like we don't say enough about Pueblo South. And uh, they also show us a good amount of love, too. So um, oh, For sure. No, Pueblo South is, I mean, Pueblo is just a really good football town. Yeah, uh, we definitely get slept on because it is very far away. Um, but I mean, they have a good youth development program, which is you know key for for making moves in the postseason and for sending so many teams to the playoffs. Shout out to Coach Montez and all the Pueblo coaches I met this week that came up to the Springs for league plays with their uh, middle schoolers. So uh, there you go, you know. But uh, but yeah, uh, that's Pueblo South though. Next year will be interesting for sure. I they always got a lot of talent, so we'll see. We'll see what goes down for sure. And I believe, uh, want to say, according to what we heard, they're probably going to stay in three A. So we'll we'll see about that because there will be a couple new faces in three A as well. 
So yeah, but uh, let's keep it going though. Longmont, this is a team that we haven't really talked about, like the team in general, because we almost always just talk about Keegan Patterson. <laughs> and uh, yeah. for for a good re- look here, let's get the Keegan Patterson talk out of the way before we talk about the rest of this team, because obviously we can't talk about Longmont without talking about Keegan Patterson, who is going to USC with Lincoln Riley and all that. Cody, I'm sure you're super happy about that. Um, after committing to Mines. And so this this will be real interesting because I want to say when we ranked Keegan Patterson, I said he's probably somebody that teams should have kept an eye on because, you know, if you get a good coach, you could develop him really well and he could easily be a next-level player. That's what I said. And, you know, I mean, this last season he showed out. He did his thing. He was, like, top five, top five, top ten in the country, I want to say, in uh, some statistical categories. And so, I mean, he's a heck of a quarterback, and he was the engine that not only made this uh, Longmont offense go, but this entire team go. Right, Cody? For sure. I mean, he was our number four ranked uh, quarterback, I want to say. But his he could have been crowned at number one. There was not a huge gap. He was three? I thought Briggs was. No, he was over Briggs, I thought. Well, regardless, still a top five senior quarterback in the state. And, you know, uh, candidate for most valuable playmaker. Uh, I believe that... I, I know I was leaning towards him. I might have even voted for him because he also had a pick six on the year. So, you know, he was able to contribute on both sides of the ball. And, you know, the offers that uh, some of those playmakers got you know through this longmont squad were you know kind of in part to you know his performance this past season i mean look you don't (laughs) you don't throw for 28 and run for 20 and not not get noticed and that's on a very solid completion percentage i call it 67 percent over 3600 yards i mean there wasn't really anything that keegan patterson couldn't do he could make all the throws he had a big arm and there is a lot to to be stoked about. I will probably say that his passing stats were maybe a little bumped with uh, shovel passes that were counted as passing yards to Caleb Johnson, but, you know, that doesn't make a huge, huge difference. And, you know, with that being said, I mean, look, I just talked about these guys on best of the rest for, you know, wide receivers. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take a look at exactly which episode that was. But, you know, Jack Mole, excellent, excellent jump ball specialist who, you know, mossed a lot of poor, poor kids. Um, I shouldn't be laughing, but, you know, he plays way bigger than he is. You know, he's not a very tall guy, but, you know, he's able to jump up there and adjust to the ball and just is a very physical receiver who, you know, was just spectacular. It was episode 122, if you want the film breakdowns on Jack Mole and Caleb Johnson. But, you know, Jack, he was somebody who made a lot of plays in the passing game this season and, you know, caught 13 touchdowns. He was the leading touchdown receiver for this Longmont team. And then Caleb Johnson, who was definitely like a gadget player for this this Longmont squad, you know, getting 117 receptions for six touchdowns and 1,322 yards. I put air quotes around that because a lot of them were shuffle passes and more rushing. But regardless, still responsible for 1,322 yards, not to mention being a big-time threat on special teams. You know, Caleb, he had 634 yards and a 
you know, a kick return for a touchdown in the Dakota Ridge playoff game that I went and saw myself. So, you know, when you have big-time playmakers in those positions, then that goes a long way. And then also, I want to say, is it is it Justice? Yeah, Justice Lily, who Mason and I bumped into at the Cherry Creek State game, which was kind of interesting. He was another player who was able to contribute and score in, you know, some big ways on this offense, catching for 763 yards and eight touchdowns. So, you know, lots of dogs on on this Longmont offense. And, you know, there we were cheated out of a good game, too, between Erie and Longmont. I don't necessarily know if it's one that they win, but it's one that's a lot closer than 50-6 to six if they're not playing without Keegan Patterson. Yes, sadly. Uh, Cody, you did say, though, that Erie runs Longmont, so we had a couple <laughs> Daddy Erie comments and whatnot, so uh, thank well, you for that. Yeah, I, I can't help it but to just be a smart Alex sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Longmont, they, they do have to get out of that shadow, though. I mean, look, the problem with Longmont this year was not the offense, dude. Well, obviously... I mean, yeah. Here, here, how many points they allow in these games? So they lose to the to start the season. They lose to Chatfield, forty-nine to forty-three. Keegan Patterson's gonna be putting his hands up. I mean, yeah, Chatfield won state. That's a close game against the state winners. Mm-hmm. Keegan Patterson's gonna be like, dude, what the heck is going on? How are we gonna allow forty-nine points to a team that doesn't pass the ball? Bloomfield, twenty-nine points. Windsor, this is one of their, um, I, dude, they lost to Windsor, fifty-six to twenty-two. Jeez. How is Windsor scoring 56 points, bro? Erie scoring 50 points. Too. Yeah, they're running triple option like Silver Creek. How do you Silver Creek 33 points here? Grand Junction Central 28 points. No disrespect, but I cannot name a single player on Grand Junction Central. And you let them score 28. Their best defensive game of the year comes against Greeley Central, that's barely able to field a squad sometimes through ineligibility. And even then, they let them score 14. Uh, shout out to Genoa there for being a part of that 14 and, and Chino for making it even slightly possible to score 14 points. And then, you know, Loveland, this isn't a scoring team. 35. Monarch, 24? 24 from Monarch, who's a wing T team? What is going on here? Did what Monarch it? have a first-year head coach, too? Yeah, they did. So, yeah, that's tough. So, uh, like, yeah. dude... They're, they're, and then, you know, kudos to the defense for stepping up against Broomfield and only allowing them to score 22. I don't know if they're exhausted from their offense scoring so fast and quick, but, like, dog. The, like, Dakota Ridge's offense was like a hot knife through butter. They scored every time they were on the field, basically. And Longmont, I mean, Keegan and Jack and Caleb had to be exhausted by the end of this year. Their usage rate was insane. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But they just... They couldn't generate a pass rush on the defensive side of the ball. This offensive line really wasn't all that for Keegan Patterson. He was running for his life in this Dakota Ridge game. And there's just a lot left to be desired from this Longmont team that had the talent on offense to make a run for state. I'm just going to be straight up. Absolutely. I mean, even then, with a bad off or a bad defense, not a bad offense, with a bad defense, they probably could have made a run if... The line, if the stars just happen to align exactly perfectly, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, 
you know, they, but they would have to average 60 points to do it. Are they capable of it? Yeah, but also the defense, they need to get them the ball back. So there you go as well. I mean, look, I think the beautiful thing we got out of this was just just a lot of great plays from this trio of Jack Mole, Caleb Johnson, Keegan Patterson. First off, I need to give a quick shout-out. Shout-out to my boy, Kyler LaRoe. Uh, I actually interviewed him. He played linebacker at Longmont back in like 2012-2013 uh, and whatnot. And then he, we actually went to school together over at Northern Colorado. And then he was also coaching these Longmont boys. And he said he ba- I mean, he coached up Keegan, Caleb, Jack, like all these dudes, like since they were freshmen. You know, and so be on the lookout for that interview. That'll probably drop in the summer. You know, we talk about uh, a little bit about this Longmont team there. You know, some of the things he instilled in some of these boys, like that fighting attitude, that never to die attitude. You know, and you see a lot of that as they're going. I mean, if it's a shootout, they're going to shoot. You know, if it's a shootout, they're going to shoot. And you know, and they're not going to stop shooting either. And so you got to love that. There are a lot of iconic moments here for Keegan Patterson in this offense because of some of the situations they were put in, unfortunately, you know. But on the bright side, hey, this is Colorado football, baby. I love to see it. You know, it's entertaining football. And this is where, I mean, honestly, this is the potential that the state has. For sure. And, uh, you know, I knew that something was brewing over there at Longmont. I coached against them my first year coaching. And I learned that they do this thing with the lights. Anytime they score a touchdown, all their lights start strobing. So uh, if you are prone to, like, teachers or something, don't go to a long, long game because they score a lot of touchdowns and then their lights Safe go crazy. Yeah. So, um, which, you know, it, it's kind of hype, honestly. Yeah. But uh, definitely, definitely interesting. And, you know, speaking on this defense, so, I mean, you said they got to get the ball back to the offense. Caleb Johnson was the leading interception guy with two. So he would have to get the ball himself on the defensive side of the ball. Jack Mole led with two fumble recoveries. Keegan Patterson returned one fumble to the house. So the same guys who are making the plays on offense, they have to like, they have to cook the food, they have to eat the food, they have to clean up the meal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that's these not three guys for the entire season. Yeah, no, for sure. And these three guys are starters oh. on defense too. I want to say that's that's why that's what me and Kyler talked about because uh, Kyler is a defensive guy or a coach Laroe, whatever. <laughs> I'm calling him Kyler because that's my boy, uh, Coach Laroe, Kyler. I mean, we, we talked about it, you know, and it's tough, but I mean, they were just built differently when everything <laughs> was said and done, and to do that on the four A level is hard. Like, it is, there's, I mean, you have great competition, obviously. Ooh, I think Leon just lit up Keegan Patterson on this play I just watched here. <laughs> Leon Ramirez from Central here. Um, but, I mean, Uh-oh. that's just who they are, you know. Um, Longmont, I mean, they they had some very special players in these three. And more, you know, Justice Lilly as well. I got to give him a shout-out. And then some of these other guys, too. Going into next year, I mean, it's not going to be the same team because you don't have that offense anymore so we'll see you know we'll, we'll see what happens with Longmont but if anything this year they were they were electrifying to watch you know if Keegan Patterson was playing they're gonna turn up simple electrify but was, <laughs> is there 
Alright, well, you know what? We're just going to move on. I'm not even going to ask you. Let's let's move on to another 4A team here and talk about mm -hmm. Aurora Central. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Aurora Central. Um, I'm actually going to play some Kyrie's Kirby highlights. Yeah. Like we play like Marcus Howard highlights a million times whenever possible. So we'll give his teammates some uh, some love here. Because here, here's the deal with Aurora Central. So obviously, Cody, you got to see the better game they played against Denver South. Um, that was a close one. I got to see them in their season opener. And this wasn't planned because I was originally up in Aurora watching DJ Bordeaux and his team play. And then I saw, oh, shoot, Falcon is playing Aurora Central. And, uh, you know, before all this stuff happened with Falcon, obviously I was a teacher there and I had connections. So I wanted to see some of my old students. But I also wanted to see Aurora Central. I knew that they had to have somebody out here. They had to, you know, because Aurora has a lot of talent just in general. And so I went to this game and they lost 14 to 6. But I remember the thing that really stood out to me, and I haven't talked about this really on the podcast. I feel like I've talked about it in a couple conversations here. But the thing that really stood out to me about Aurora Central was like, damn, do they have talent. I'm talking Kyrie's Kirby, Simeon Beasley, Marcus Howard stood out to me. I remember looking through the roster, sorry, looking through the roster, and I was like, God, 6'6", 6'5", 220, tight end, defensive end, okay. You know, and, and then he had the quietest game of the season there. But you still saw him out there, you know, doing his thing and all that. And so I remember watching his team and being like, oh, Brian my God. Weatherford, too, oh, that Brian linebacker. Weatherford. Yep, he will do his breakdown soon here. I, I noticed him as well. I was like, okay, Aurora Central. I, I followed my gut, and I was right. They have talent here. And I remember watching that Falcon game and just being like, Falcon shouldn't have won this game. Honestly, they just shouldn't have. Like, there's no... There, there's, there really wasn't any universe except for the one that I was in currently where Falcon beat them. Any other universe? No. You know, play Falcon at the end of the season after that Denver South game. I don't think they even come close, to be completely honest with you. I think Aurora Central runs it. And, you know, after that Falcon game, that's what they did. They beat Hinkley 55-0, to beat Wheatridge 31-0, to beat Adam City 28-13, to dropped 74 points on Lincoln. Oh, my God, 74. And then 48-0 to against Grand Junction. 27-7 against a solid Vista Peak team. 42-0 against Gateway. Then you have that Denver South game, then Centaurus, and then obviously you have that playoff game against Ponderosa, which we all picked Aurora Central to win, but obviously that's tough playing an away game against a team that's not, like, horrible. They're pretty solid, and we'll talk about them later here. But, I mean, Aurora Central has so much talent. Obviously this year you're losing Marcus Howard, you're losing Weatherford, but you're returning Kyrie's kid. Uh, what was I going to say? Kyrie's Kirby and uh, Simeon Beasley as well. Plus, I believe Makai Unit. He, shout out to EPO. He's an EPO guy. He's on this team as well at receiver. And so they got talent, you know. And this year they had talent. Started a little rough, but man, did they dominate. Cody, you got to see them against Denver South. Uh, and, you know, we've obviously followed this team. What do you think about Aurora Central here? So shout out to Aurora Central for giving us so much love too. Y'all are like we we got y'all whenever. I hope y'all know that. Like we'll we'll be pushing y'all's players. Um, well, we do that anyways, but we'll be pushing them for real though. Yeah. Well, I was about to say we are going to 
be breaking down some players. Literally tomorrow, Mason has Brandon Weatherford, who is a 2023 lineman, and Lorenzo Johnson, who, you know, invited us to the Aurora Central and Denver South game, and we really appreciated the invite. And uh, he made sure that we got in the doors and whatnot. Uh, by that point, you know, we did have the press passes set up. But it was still cool to be sent tickets and scan in, you know, and uh, watch it. what was a really good game. You know, this, so shout out to, to those guys. You guys will be getting your breakdowns tomorrow. Mason Austin has already recorded it. And, uh, you know, he, he runs through a bit fast. So make sure that you're listening close. But he will tell you exactly what you need to work on. But, you know, this Roar Central squad, very, very proud of the squad. Absolute dogs everywhere you look. Like I said, there's also Brian Weatherford. I I would assume that he's probably related to Brandon, honestly, who, you know, will be playing ball on the next level. Marcus Howard, who was, you know, one of our top-ranked edge rushers. He's going to be playing for Northern Colorado on the next level. I mean, 26 tackles for loss. And the state leader in sacks with 23. 23 sacks is ridiculous, dude. Like, holy crap. He was just destroying entire teams by himself. And this squad also produced 12 interceptions. They were able to force turnovers in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I'm very excited for Veasley and what his future holds. You know, he was somebody who I was kind of looking at during, like, the season preview. I was like, hey, wait a second. He had himself a pretty good pretty good year, you know, that COVID year. And Kyrie's Kirby, hey, he's somebody who had a pretty good year. Let's watch their film. And I did their program spotlight, I remember. And that's how we ended up getting invited to this game. And I was like, wait a second. They have some pretty insane athletes on this Aurora Central squad. And, you know, that's exactly what carried them through. Kyrie's Kirby is somebody to watch for in our top five senior running backs list. He's so explosive and he's so well-sized. And, you know, another thing is, this is this is where the struggles start to come in a little bit. He was probably the best quarterback on this team, uh, which, which is tough because that's just not the position he was and not really his role. But, you know, he he came in handy for some trick plays, threw some deep darts down the field to Marcus Howard, who would also come over and play some tight end at that, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six frame. And, uh, you know, that was something that helped this Aurora Central team really produce, really put up some good games. And I will say in this Denver South game, it was just missed opportunities. You know, it was a fumble on the goal line, you know, where right there, if you turn that into points from literally the one yard line, then it's a 28 to 39 game and then it's being in the red zone and not quite converting that makes it a you know maybe you kick a field goal and it's a 31 to 39 and it's one score so just some seriously missed opportunities and being held back a little bit here by the quarterback play but before i jump into that i am going to focus here on big seven six seven eight i've been waiting on this one love my team so athletically gifted kirby beasley howard lorenzo johnson this upcoming season hoping to be in some of those highlights so thank you for tuning into the stream thank you so much for your patience and uh yeah just loaded athletically and i mean a lot of these aurora squads are but uh you know shout out to the coach over there i have you know met him and gave him huge props for you know turning this program around and you know getting some discipline and some accountability in these guys and showing hey we can ball too and i know that he's an adaptive coach because i mean look it isn't anyone's first choice to really have to run a wing t and you know we've even talked about he's like you know i'm doing the most i can with what i've got and you know during there there was an incident earlier this year i reached out to him over twitter like hey you guys need anything and we got you both on and off the field but 
The only concern I do have for this Aurora Central squad, they're solid. I mean, losing Marcus Howard, that sucks. Um, it, it's hard to replace that. And then Brian Weatherford as well. But, you know, on the offensive line, they got some dogs. They got some guys in the backfield. What is... Is Portillo the answer at quarterback? Now, he did show improvement. And, you know, it was his first year playing quarterback. He was I'm pretty sure he was, like, a defensive player the year before. And his older brother, Portillo, was an offensive-slash-defensive lineman who I believe Mason broke down, uh, you know, from the 2020 season. So, you know, there's a little bit of program history, but... Cody. Or it was your breakdown? Yeah, he oh, was my one bad. of the first guys I yeah, no, or you're good. Well, I, or maybe he was Mason, but I, I'm pretty sure I oh, like. It's on your episode because there was a time when Mason didn't release episodes. So oh, maybe it was. I I knew for a fact I had notes on him though. But anyways, keep keep going. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Portillo for his first year, you know, nearly seventy percent completion percentage, thirty-two of forty-six, six touchdowns, five picks. This looks, you know, it looks okay. It looks okay. It looks it looks like a quarterback that can potentially with the right talent lead you to an eight and three season uh probably should have been a uh a nine and uh two season but regardless a quarterback that can do that for you but is this a quarterback that you can win a state championship with this is where the hard questions start to get asked and this is where you know you're down in the fourth quarter denver south and you kind of only have play action boots that you can consistently hit and even then sometimes missing some flat throws that's tough uh you end up getting outgunned by a quarterback in andrew heidel at ponderosa these are i mean look it was his first year starting cut him some slack obviously but i am gonna try and call him up or you know someone in this program to step up at the quarterback position and you know help bring some balance to this offense who i mean they can run the ball they ran for over three thousand yards as a unit last year but not throwing for over a thousand yards on the passing game, that is tough. And definitely something that has me a little worried about their chances on maybe being a contender. I still think that this is a playoff team, but I don't know about a contender. And I don't know if they'll be able to close that gap in the league. Um, if they're still in that league with Denver South, I forget. I think they might've actually moved leagues. But you know, if they are in a league that has a good quarterback, are they going to be able to overtake this quarterback for a league title? I'm not sure. Uh, Simon, what are your thoughts on that? Um, and how excited are you for Mason's episode tomorrow? Well, I'm always excited for Mason's episodes. But also, I think they are projected to be in the same league. Uh, I, let me, I'd have to double check the list, but I'm pretty sure they are. I'm pretty sure Aurora Central will be playing Denver South again. And honestly, if they do stay in the same league, I mean, like, I don't see too many threats here. Uh, maybe Vista Peak, you know, but they are losing kind of a lot, to be honest with you. Gateway maybe takes a step forward, but I don't think enough to beat a Kyrie's Kirby and, and all these guys, you know. And so, really, I think when it comes down to it, league play might come down to beating Denver South again. And, I mean, look, we're going to be seeing a lot of the same teams, but Aurora Central is losing a pass rusher in Marcus Howard who I sure got after a Capra a couple of times, if not sacking and getting some pressures. So we'll have to see. You know, we'll have to see where this Aurora Central team is. Uh, look, but regardless, they have talent. 
And I think we've been known that. I knew that going into the Falcon game, I, I like I was almost positive. I was like, all right, I'm gonna find a couple gems here. That's that's the plan. And I felt like a gold mine because I found a couple guys, uh, not just one or two, but like it felt like four or five at some point. And so uh, we'll just have to see, you know, going into next year, who will continue to develop. I think you're right at quarterback. It needs to be stabilized. <laughs> Just a little bit here. Simeon, or not Simeon, uh, Kyrie's Kirby, watching through his highlights here, I'm like, golly, like, this dude could play. Like, some of these long runs he's breaking off, he's he's out of there, you know, and the vision is so good, and the top-end speed and all, like, he's, he's a great, he's a heck of a player. And so to remove him from that ball carrier spot and put him at quarterback, uh, well, I don't know, we'll, we'll see. You know, but I'd rather just stick with Portillo and get him developed. Or, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you could, hey, can come to EPO. And, uh, well, not not that we're sponsored or anything, but go go to a place like EPO. Um, it is the cheapest. And uh, get, get right, you know, learn from some other great quarterbacks and compete and, you know, really get that stuff going. Because I think this Aurora Central team has a lot of potential moving forward. Even this team, they had a lot of potential, but they showed what they could do. And honestly, I mean, losing by 15 to Ponderosa, that's not bad. Uh, it kind of felt like maybe it was a little bit of an off day because the one time I watched Ponderosa, they weren't, like, super impressive. So so there you go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's really all I got to say about Aurora Central here, Cody. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to going out to some of their games next year and, uh, you know, watching Kai... Kyrie's Kirby live. We've all seen Kyrie's Kirby live, and we're all agreed that he's an insane athlete. Yeah, so, he just sticks but, out, uh, honestly. Yeah, no, for sure. But yeah. I think that this is the last team that we're going to talk about on the 4A level, and that is the team that topped Aurora Central. And this is a team that, you know, it was a tale of two different sets of eyes, for sure, here at Playmakers Corner, because you have Simon, who wasn't overwhelmed by, you know, the performance of... Uh, of Ponderosa in a Vista Peak game, but then Mason, who was like, you know, they were a pretty deep squad who was talented at a lot of positions in a Palmer Ridge loss, you know, one that they did kind of blow a lead in, but, you know, nonetheless still competed against, you know, a Palmer Ridge squad that was in, like, the Elite Eight, I want to say. So, you know, Simon... You talked about this on your on your recap of this to be prep. You said that this was not a fun game to go watch, but uh, you know we we got to see this freshman quarterback, another one of those uh, guys to keep an eye on, especially newcomer of the year candidates and whatnot. And Andrew Heidel out of Ponderosa High School. I mean, look, we got to see him at TFG, and you know we were able to recognize him and say, hey, you know he, he looks pretty all right, and I think that. As he is given more of the keys to this offense, and it looks like he had, you know, some growing pains this freshman year for sure. Uh, hopefully he learns a lot from that, and it sounds like he's pretty focused this offseason on becoming a better quarterback. And uh, hopefully this entire offense is able to then take a bit of a step forward, you know. Like, think about it, Aurora Central, they had over 3,200 total yards. On offense, this offense had 3,100 yards, period. Like, they, they, uh, Aurora Central had 3,200 rushing yards, I should say. This Ponderosa squad put together, like, 3,100 total yards. Um, but they're young at the quarterback position. 
and they're going to be, this is going to be a very young team next year, but let's talk about some things that they did well this year. And so talking about obviously Andrew Heidel, couldn't, can't say enough about him being a freshman quarterback and throwing 16 touchdowns to only seven interceptions and nearly 1500 yards. He got plenty of work and he needs to get his completion percentage up a little bit, but you know, still a solid season and he was partially able to do that because Alex Tongren was just a genetic mismatch for opposing teams at six foot seven 208 pounds at least listed on his you know max preps he was a freaking monster and just somebody who with a massive catch radius I definitely think helped Andrew Heidel gain some confidence catching for nearly 600 yards and seven scores this year he's definitely built like a tight end and uh, was just a mismatch on the outside. And somebody who I did kind of take a look at here in our, um, what am I trying to, in our wide receiver list here, and is somebody that if he requests a breakdown, I'd be more than happy to oblige. But, uh, you know, they had, they had some things going on the offensive side of the ball, but really I think that this defense was pretty impressive this year, you know, with, notwithstanding the very first game of the year that they played that I was like, oh, what's this going to be like? They did topple a 5A squad in Fort Collins and another 5A squad in Chaparral in back-to-back -back weeks that led to, you know, this little streak here of five wins before, you know, losing to that Palmer Ridge squad. But, I mean, look, they held Vista Ridge, one of the best offenses in Colorado, to 10 points. They held this Montrose offense to 19 points. They held this Aurora Central squad to 14 points just playing phenomenal run defense honestly against a handful of these teams and you know stepping up kind of when it mattered they were helped out by strength of schedule a little bit but beating 5a teams as a 4a squad you know i definitely think ponderosa is in that weird kind of in between where they could fall into 5a classification but you know uh play at the at the 4a level and, and do pretty well uh, i mean they had a senior in porter here who racked up 125 tackles one of the best tacklers in the state they have a junior who's going to be coming back in rodriguez who had 15 tackles for loss and five of those being sacks and you know quite a few interceptions generated 16 and uh porter there who led the team in tackles mind you also led this team with four interceptions so definitely that front seven uh stepping up and making some noise here for ponderosa to make the playoffs and then you know, uh, continue to make some noise. Whoa, that's weird. Why does Max Mervin's... What the heck? Okay, no, his, his Max Preps is wrong. It says Chaparral High School for some reason, but he's definitely at Ponderosa. Uh, Max Mervin being a freshman wide receiver who Andrew Heidel and... Uh, who Andrew Heidel will get to probably build an excellent rapport with. Yeah, I mean, there's not too much more to add here. Tell um, us what, what the ugly is. You know, I talked about the good and some of the bad, but what's the ugly here for this Ponderosa squad that you saw assigned? Well, here, granted, it was kind of earlier on. It was their homecoming game that I saw against Vista Peak, and I remember watching this and thinking, they should not have won this game. The number of mistakes that happened in this game was bad. I, like, left when it was, like, 14-0 or 21-0 in the fourth quarter. Like, I was just like, ah, 
Like, Vista Peak is not capitalizing on anything. And it also felt like, like there are a million penalties, though. And also, this was a game where Andrew Heidel was actually taken out at halftime, um, even though they're only up by two scores. And so I was just like, I, I remember watching it and just being like, God, I can't. <laughs> I, I can't watch another one of these games. And, uh, you know, Ponderosa, they're not a bad team. I mean, they're a pretty solid team overall. But there are definitely flashes of them just not, like, doing as well as they could at times. Like, that Palmer Ridge game, they are up by 21 at one point. And they let them come almost, well, yeah, they did let them come pretty much all the way back. And, uh, yeah, in the second half, because I believe they uh, had Palmer Ridge at zero points at halftime or something like that. And so they lost that game 35-28, to blowing a 21-point lead. So... You know, it's stuff like that, Vista Peak, where I'm like, ah, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. But they they got better. You know, uh, this Vista Ridge game, they only lost 10-7. to um, Only lost to Montrose 19-14, to you know. I mean, this is a team that grew as the season went on, even though you did see some losses. Now, they did lose to the eventual state champs, Chatfield 31-9. But I think they have some good pieces. They're going to work around here. You have Heidel. You have Max Marvin for sure. And uh, you can live with that. But they are losing some pretty key players. Zachary Pekarik, both as a running back and linebacker, did a lot for them as a running back. He was basically their workhorse, man. I don't think he gets enough credit at all. But Pekarik, he put in work throughout the season. He was probably their most consistent player, uh, in my honest opinion here. 91 rushing yards a game, 92 basically, 10 tackles a game. I mean, he was playing both sides, and so I know he is going to play football on the next level, and I think he's just a very underrated athlete that Ponderosa is for sure going to miss. Uh, also, along with Brady Porter, who was their linebacker, right? I'm pretty sure he was a senior, I want to say. He is a senior this year. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, he averaged 10.4 tackles a game, had four picks, led the team in interceptions. And then you have Alex Tongren as well, seven interceptions. And also, you can't replace 6-7. That's just hard to do. Um, and then I believe there's also a tackle, tackle or guard, that Ponderosa's graduating that uh, received a scholarship to Northern Colorado. So he's a D1 lineman that they're losing. So... They also lost some linemen. Uh, just they had a few linemen who were seniors because there was this one other one who's playing at a uh, or two other ones between the offensive and defensive line playing at uh, Nebraska Kearney. Learned that in research for my request episode. Yeah. So I mean, but like you said, I mean, they're losing a lot of guys, like um, especially on that front line this next year. So going into next year will be interesting. Uh, because this year, I mean, it kind of felt like it was going to be like a, you know, like a little bit of a rebuild year. But they found some people, you know, in Heidel and Mervin and all that, some playmakers. And so you could be happy with that. But for the most part, it's like, ah, like, it's, <laughs> like, like, I don't know, man. Like, uh, we'll, we'll see about them going forward. But they've been doubted before by us, you know, and they've also proved us right. Or proved us wrong. <laughs> My bad. Proved us wrong before as well. So we'll, we'll just have to see about them moving forward here. Honestly, I don't have too much more to say about Ponderosa here. I mean, they've all, they're they're always a pretty solid program. And so they're going to bounce back eventually. 
but this year it definitely felt a little of an overachieving year despite having uh, a lot of seniors on that front seven, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so there you go. But uh, let's keep it going here. You know, we have a couple of teams left. I, I, I know we said we would look at um, our TikTok, and we, we still could, you know, but we definitely scrolled this through. This is running a little long, for sure. Yeah, so. but that's okay. We definitely uh, scrolled through and found a lot of guys uh, or a lot of teams to cover and whatnot, and so we could always do a, a net, another part to this uh, next week or whatever. But anyways, here we have Columbine here. Cody, you mind if I go ahead and get this party started? Talking about Columbine. Go for it. Our first I 5A mean, school. We already we already know what we're going to say, but... Yeah, I mean, it goes kind of the same. So I know, here, here's the deal. The 5A season in review... The 5A season in review TikTok. Sorry, I couldn't get that right. Uh, those will be coming out this week. The teams we cover... Uh, well, it's not Columbine, because obviously, if we were, then they would be they would be uh, up in there. But the teams we, co- we obviously covered is Valor Christian in multiple parts, so that's going to get a lot of hate. I already know it, so uh, whatever. Um, you know, our DMs will be closed. But Valor Christian, Cherry Creek, we have two parts there. Rapo, Douglas County, Fairview, Grandview, Thunder Ridge, and that's it. Uh, so we have a couple 5A teams to talk about. And so um, if you just heard one of those 5A teams we said, we already talked about them. So you could check out that episode. That's episode 101. Those TikToks will be dropping soon. So once again, that's Arapahoe, Cherry Creek, Valor Christian, Douglas County, Fair, uh, sorry, Grandview, uh, and then Thunder Ridge is what I already said. So yeah. But let's go ahead and talk about Columbine here. I mean, look. 9-4 and four on the season. This is a team that doesn't really pass it, and it would help them if they passed it because they have so much talent on defense. Defensively, we knew they'd be strong. Offensively, we knew they were going to run the ball. Um, you just saw Seth Cromwell here just put someone in the dirt. We knew they were going to give it to Seth Cromwell anywhere between thir- 20 to 30 times a game as a runner. And then he's also playing defense as well, so just keep that in mind. And so we knew that they were going to rely on him. And there's probably going to be one or two other backs. Maybe they have the quarterback run out on a couple. Maybe they uh, trust another back who ended up being a Tyree trustee uh, run it and do his thing as well. And so, honestly, it's really just the same thing with Columbine each year. Like, we know they're not going to... like. Just because we don't talk about them doesn't mean like we think they're going to be Josh bad. Schneider, too, at tailback. He's also pretty Yeah, pretty he, dang he's good. there as well. He's there as well. But, I mean, here, the thing with Columbine is that we know they're going to be good. We know they're going to be physical. They're going to play tough defense. You know, they do usually always a good job on defense. Then they're going to run the ball. And that's pretty much it. And then even when running the ball, you're not going to see a lot of creativity there. And that's what they did. I mean, Denver East... Oh, sorry. On this, first off, on the season they went nine and four. But to start the season, to start the season they played Denver East, who they beat 42-21. Played Cherokee Trail, beat 52-21. Played Faith Lubin, uh, which is in uh, Vegas, by the way, beat them 21-11. That's a quality win there. Beat Highland Trench 49-21. Played Valor Christian, gave them a scare. You're seeing some Valor highlights right here. But beat them 35-21. They basically run the same. Like, you know, offense. And honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised if they beat Valor Christian. I think a lot of people kind of just assume 
that Valor was going to win because of Gavin Sawchuk, but I really wouldn't have been surprised if Columbine beat them. So I'm just throwing that out there. Then they lost to Arvada West, who we'll talk about here later, 24-21. Beat Lakewood 56-13. Beat Mullen 28-14. Lost to Ralston Valley, who did do a couple of the things they do, but they they were, you know, we saw some character development from Ralston Valley. And so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, they lost to Ralston 35-14. Then, then they beat Pomona 20-6. I don't even think they had Cromwell playing that game. So that's a little embarrassing. And then they played far northeast in the playoffs. Um, they passed it for once in these, uh, for the most part. 156-0. Beat Arvada West in the rematch, 38-21. They didn't have their quarterback, though. They were playing a freshman. And then lost to Valor again by only two scores, 17-7. Like I said, wouldn't have been surprised if they beat Valor. I think that's just something I did not say enough of and didn't give Columbine enough credit because when it comes down to it, Columbine does play pretty good defense. I think the bigger question is, are they going to keep up on offense? I mean, Cody, is there anything? Like, I mean, it's hard to rely on just your running back to produce all of your produce to be your offense, basically. Look, they have athletes who can catch the ball. I mean, Tyree Rusty can catch the ball. Wes Jones is somebody who I think was very underutilized on the offensive side of the ball and who honestly could have been a, a pretty big playmaker at receiver. I don't have any doubts about that. Um, I mean, look, even in this combine offense, he got for 308 yards and four scores. That's incredible efficiency. Uh, it looks like Daniel uh, Alatheo, I want to say. You know, he caught for over 100 yards. I mean, there's people who can catch the dang ball. Not to mention their underclassmen like James Bossinger, who he's a dog on both sides of the ball. And he's somebody who could be a big play threat out of the slot and a complete mismatch against linebackers with this combination of precisiveness and speed. But we'll never, we'll never get to know that. That's just the truth. And look, they lost to Rouston Valley, and I watched the highlights from this game. Rouston Valley, they, whether they want to agree to this or not, they listened to what we had to say, and they spread it out this year, and they threw the ball pretty well. And in this Columbine game, you know, they kind of put it to them. And I think part of that is, you know, just the versatility. I mean, look, Rouston Valley and Columbine, this game two years ago would have been a snooze fest like, 21 to 14 or something. By the way, Rouse Valley hit like a 56-yard field goal in this game, which is freaking nuts. I was yes. I was losing my mind over that. Um, but anyways, you know, Rouse Valley, they adapted and they played very well against Columbine. And, you know, they played well against Grandview and would have probably been a really tough draw for this Valor Christian squad. Um, look, it's, it's fun to... It's, no, it's not fun. It's cool to play mistake-free football um, and not risk throwing interceptions. But being one-dimensional, look, you guys almost beat Valor, but I think you and Valor reached the same fate in the state championship game against a Creek team that just has answers for whatever's thrown at them. And you need versatility to be a tough draw for Creek. Um, yeah. And I mean, and your defense is better than Valor's defense too. I'm just going to be straight up. The Columbine defense is better than Valor's defense, but the offense is what held them back this year. 
and I really don't have too much else to say. I don't have anything else to say, actually. Okay. Well, <clears throat> there you go. I mean, were they finishing the playoffs, like you said, definitely expected. They could have went to state. I don't think they're beating Cherry Creek, though. You know, I think when it comes down to it, Cherry Creek, I mean, they, they got a very good defense as well. You know, and I think they just match up better with this Columbine defense and that Columbine defense would have matched up against the likes of Coyote Jr., uh, Hammond at quarterback, and um, Isha Sisi. So, I, well, I don't think they had anybody that could have covered Ishmael Sisi 101. So there you go there. So, uh, it's, a, it's just a better system. What? Well, one thing, too, is like, an argument can be made like, well, we can't spread it out with Brock. Here's the thing, Columbine, you've earned the reputation where quarterbacks don't want to go to your school. Yeah. Why would I go to a school where I'm never going to throw the ball if I'm a good quarterback? And, and there's plenty of good us. quarterbacks in the West Littleton area. Sorry, what? I was just going to say, that's before, like, I know that we advise a, a lot, not just quarterbacks, but a lot of young athletes about schools where to go, especially in this Littleton, Denver area, because there's a lot of schools that are right next to each other. I don't know why, but they just are, you know, and so we, you know, we advise kids, but most people know if you want to be a passer or if you want to be a receiver, don't go to Columbine. If you want to play, if you want to be a great defensive player and lineman, and maybe running back, you know, go to Columbine. But if you're a quarterback or a receiver, yeah, if you're a quarterback or receiver, then like forget it. You know, you're <laughs> like, they're, why? Like they haven't changed in 20 years, and this isn't hating on them because they do this brand of football very well. Play a physical brand. You know, I'm talking like their linemen are very good, offensive and defensive linemen. Defensively, they're very good. Like they see multiple, they see other systems. Ironically, other offensive systems, and they find a way to combat those. You know, but when it comes to offense, it's very, very simplistic. And I think at the end of the day, you know, there's probably going to be a day where Columbine wins a state championship. But compared to other seasons where they could have won a state championship as well, you know, I don't know if it will be worth it. But they'll they'll do what they do, you know, and so. I don't think that's going to change this year or next year. I think they're probably going to either make it to state. I don't know. Well, I don't know about make it to state. They, they might. I don't know. But we'll, we'll just have to see if they make it. I don't know if they're going to win it. So there you go. All right. You want to move on, Cody? We could talk about another team that's similar here. Not that that makes anything better. Let's keep talking about the 5A teams who can't pass. All right. So speaking of uh, <laughs> speaking of five A, let's talk about Pomona here. Uh, I'm playing Dom Nichols highlights because hey, I tried looking at some of your other players who I know play for the full season and they don't have any highlights in a, in something like this, which is weird. So I work on that. But Pomona, new head coach, you know, um, they they lost Johnson. Dom Nichols. You know, yeah, Johnson, your boy. But they lost Dom Nichols to Vista Ridge. Chassa did some things that we don't agree with at all. And so he eventually came back. Shout, shout out to the uh, whiny babies who can't handle competition in the springs. Yeah, but, you know, we don't need to... We'll leave it at that. ...hit that bush again. 
freeze. <laughs> but anyways, uh, here we. So here's Pabona. Uh, they started the season against Grandview, who had a head coach, a first-year head coach of their own, and they lost the Thriller 30 to 29. So there is some hope. You know, uh, it's not like it's not like Pomona didn't have talent. You know, Dion Mays, he was out here. He was putting in work. Chase Miller, he made a lot of big plays. You know, um, the quarterback Epley. You know, he he, he uh, has made some plays throughout this season as well. And so it's not like Pomona just all of a sudden didn't have talent, you know, once Dom left. They had plenty of talent, you know. They were probably going to be fine. They were probably going to make the playoffs with or without it. Um, potentially. It would have been closer, though. And then also, on the line, Aaron Karras. Uh, you had also a pretty good linebacker out there as well. Like, this Pomona team had talent. But we knew what they were made of. They were basically going to do what Columbine does. On the ball. Play good defense. And uh, that's basically it. I mean, offensively, though, they have... I would say they have a, you know, a little bit more talent. A little bit more juice set uh, with their athletes. And they spread the ball out a little bit more. Not that much more, but a little bit more. You know, and so losing the Grandview game, that's tough. After that, though, they had to play Cherry Creek, which they weren't going to win. They lost 31-0. Beat Doherty, but everyone does. They still beat him 44-14. Beat Legacy, who was a low-key. Like, they had players there, so this wasn't a surprise. Um, in hindsight, it wasn't a, a surprise that they, you know, beat them by a score, which they beat 26-20. Lost to Smoky Hill, which is interesting. Powers. What did you say? I said, put some respect on Powers. No, I was about to. Which is interesting still, because Leslie Richardson is like a three-year, four-year starter, and their quarterback at Smoky Hill was a one-year starter, and he was still enough to beat Pomona. And so they beat them, to, or Smoky Hill beat uh, Pomona 28-27. to There was definitely some red flags and alarms going off here. Uh, just a little bit here. But bounce back, beat Lakewood, beat Lakewood uh, 49-7. Beat Ralston Valley, which I don't think many people thought, 17-3. to You know, like I said, they run kind of similar offenses and schemes and whatever. So there you go. Um, beat Arvada West 42-14. Beat Mullen 21-7. Lost that weird one to Columbine 28-6. We were there for that too. So I don't know what happened. Maybe they just like didn't care. It's like a nap in the stands. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was the last game of the season, so it probably didn't matter. So, there you go. Uh, then we came back the next week, <laughs> regardless of what happened, and we watched them play Castleview, who they beat 14-7, to even though Castleview... I mean, I'm just going to be honest, they ha- they could have won that game, but uh, the quarterback couldn't complete a screen or a couple plays, and that's not disrespect. That's what happened by the way, because I know he's uh, making some noise out there. So check yourself before you wreck yourself, because we could pull up a lot of receipts here, because this is what happened in a game that matters. So they lost to them. And then Regis Jesuit, this was kind of a game that we felt like, okay, they got Dom back. Wouldn't have been surprised if they beat Regis, you know, but they lost the close one, 28-21 to 21 here. Let me just click on this box score here as well. Um, but that's probably a game that they could have won here. I mean, Chase Muller had 91 rushing yards to touchdown. Steven Gartman, 45 yards to touchdown. Dom, only five carries, but 22 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then Xander Carroll, or sorry, uh, Xavier Carroll, he had two touchdowns and 94 rushing yards. Then Xander Carroll, as a quarterback, had 136 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. 
Oof. So, there you go. I mean, Pomona. I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I think. I think this is kind of the season I expected from them. Um, if Dom didn't come back, maybe this game is a little. Maybe the season's a little bit different here. You know, I'm just gonna be honest with you. So, so there you go. But Cody, what do you think about uh, their season here? So. I knew that the defense was going to be good. Look, Johnson, he he does have uh, a way of knowing defense. He knows how to talk to defensive players really well. He's going to have some solid linebackers. And, you know, the, the talent was there to have a solid defensive squad. And I think that they delivered on that. You know, I mean, outside of a, a couple of hiccups, I mean, holding Rouson Valley to three points is big time. Holding Arvada West to 14 is big time. And, uh, you know, holding Mullen to seven. Those are all very good. Um it was just lacking on offense. Now, I won't say that I had the utmost confidence in their quarterback. He definitely missed some pretty easy passes that first that first game that we went to against Columbine. There were some passes where it's like, why are you throwing that? Where are you going? You're lost kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, if they were able to really get this do, dual kind of tailback tandem going, I mean, look. Muller had himself a pretty solid season, 1,228 yards. Uh, not really getting into the end zone all that much with only six scores, but, you know, averaging nearly seven yards per carry. And then if you can get, you know, that, that boom back and Del Nichols going, who averaged nine yards per carry, you had a pretty solid backfield. And you could probably make that work a little bit. But I think that ultimately not having a great quarterback costs you some games. And then... You know, it was, look, Pomona lived up to their reputation, and I think that that was the goal, you know, because they had a coach who was there for a very, very, very long time. And a coach who, you know, was frustrated for a few years. I mean, look, Pomona lost to Valor Christian in the 2015 and 2016 state championships, right? Um, so he, he lost those two games before finally getting his championship against Eagle Crest. I mean, the offense that they had here in 2017 is not something that we have seen at Pomona since. I'm just going to read out their scoring numbers from the year that they won state in the playoffs. 68, 48, 42, 56. Bro, they're averaging like 50 points a game. 50 points a game in this playoff series. They did not crack 50 this year. Uh, obviously, some of that comes down to talent, but also some of that comes down to adapting and changing and look at what but i mean look <laughs> you gotta find a way to score points and it's not 2017 anymore you know what i mean if you're running the same offense as you were in 2017 it's not working you have to try something else but also they had a quarterback that year that threw 27 touchdowns you have to throw the ball to win in modern football and that's what they did for a state championship and that's something that they're going to have to do if they want to be relevant as a contender enough said also columbine last won a state championship in 2011 uh, for those who are curious the times are changing um and you gotta if you want to compete don't get left behind was that a long enough tangent for you coach b if you want to compete can't be left behind yep that is more than fair and so 
<clears throat> I mean, I don't know, but let's just move on. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about Pomona here, but I mean, you gotta open up this pass. Uh, I mean, this uh, offense and uh, gotta get something going because they have talent there. The frustrating part is it's just like, oh, like I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just not clicking. You know, um, that they need to pass it and be multi-dimensional. So, anyways. Let's this next team is multi-dimensional, though, isn't yes. it, Simon? It is very multi-dimensional, and we're gonna keep on it. We're gonna keep it going and uh, give Arvada some love here. I'm <laughs> now that I'm looking at this list, we did not give Arvada as much love as possible, and so yeah, these next two it. teams are Arvada teams, Lamau, and so is Pomona. So yes, yes. So uh, we're gonna do it here and talk about Arvada West. Look. I didn't expect them to be this good this year, straight up. And I think a lot of people didn't because the previous year they were like two and five or something like that. Uh, this year they were eight and three behind a very good passing offense, honestly. I mean, look, let me just read off some of these dubs here. 43 to seven against Wheat Ridge to open up the season. They won that one. Uh, Legacy, 23 10. They have some guys over there. Horizon, you know, Horizon, I mean, they have some players, you know, but they still beat him 42-0. Now, <coughs> came back to earth against a Cherry Creek team who admittedly lost to a powerhouse in Chandler High School, like a national powerhouse in Chandler High School the week before. But, you know, 52-21, I think they're one of the few teams that scored three touchdowns on Cherry Creek, so that's pretty good. After that, bounce back and out-dueled Fossil Ridge, beat them 42-21. That's probably a game you should talk, or a team you should talk about another time, Fossil Ridge, to be honest with you. But uh, keeping it going, beat Columbine 24-21 in a close one, beat Mullen 35-14 in a close one, lost to Pomona 42-14, that's kind of tough there, and then uh, played Lakewood, beat them 42-21, beat Ralston Valley, which was a shocker at the time, 17-10, Love to see that, but at a cost as their quarterback would tear his ACL and be done for the season. This is hip. Or wait, sorry, I I thought it was uh, his ACL for some reason. Was it his hip? I think I think he like dislocated his hip or broke his hip or something like that. Well, I believe it was something devastating, which is not good. Yeah, yeah, no, very bad. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like usually, like it was definitely an injury where uh, if it happened at the beginning of the season, he still wouldn't have played at the end of the season, even if they made the yeah. playoffs. So it was yeah, exactly pretty bad. You know, um, they had a first round bye in the playoffs, but ultimately it didn't matter as they just they were starting a freshman quarterback. And so they lost the call by not too bad though, thirty-eight to twenty-one. And so a lot of things to like about Arvada West. And I think it starts with their offense, uh, their quarterback, their junior quarterback, who hopefully is recovering and he's going to come back next year. Uh, Ethan Cook, you know, on the season, thousand eight hundred fifty-seven yards, about a fifty-eight percent completion rating, threw twenty touchdowns to seven interceptions here man uh, also had 232 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns uh, his lead receiver martinez 709 receiving yards 12 touchdowns uh he'll be coming back next year as well and so this Arvada west offense was cooking man i mean they were pretty good and that's what you like to see here i mean they they were scheming very well against some of these teams i mean a lot of quality dubs against columbine I even throw Fossil Ridge in there, you know, Ralston Valley. Uh, <coughs> I mean, you did lose to Pomona 42-14. I don't know what happened there. 
And then Cherry Creek, I mean, there's worse, there's worse, you know, uh, showings against Cherry Creek, but they beat them 30, 52 to 21. So Arvada West, a team I kind of like a lot. I'm excited for their future. Hope their quarterback, Ethan Cook, is uh, recovering. Because actually, Cody, I think next year, the home opener, either the home opener or the first game of the season for both these teams, uh, will actually be Arvada West versus Thunder Ridge. So we're going to be oh potentially gosh, I hope he's healthy. Yeah, <laughs> it, it could be a shootout between a senior quarterback, Ethan Cook, and possibly freshman quarterback, DJ Bordeaux. And so that could be a lot of fun. We'll see, though. But, Cody, what do you think about Arvada West uh, real quick here? So Arvada West, first off, I gave Andrew Martinez a Playmaker of the Week award. So you have that going for you. He is returning. The only thing that is kind of tough is this defense is taking some pretty heavy losses in some very important positions. You have Reed Henkel, who led with 14 and a half tackles for loss, 10 sacks on the season. He was a senior. You have um, Angelo St. James, who I almost gave a playmate. He was in consideration for Playmaker of the Week. And you also have Chris Wilcox, who both had four interceptions this year. That's a lot of turnovers to try and replace. You also have the leading tackler in, I want to say, Mason Hagel Pitt or Hagel Pitt, who is also a senior. So you're losing a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. And this was a defense that I, I say played pretty well, you know, from, from time to time this season. You know, holding Columbine to 21 points, that's a pretty big deal. And, you know, holding this uh, Mullen squad to 14 and, you know, this Ralston Valley squad, who did have an explosive offense this year to 10 points. So... And I think that was for the league title. Yeah, it was, because they had the bye. So, big, big clutch wins. Somewhat provided by the defense and from big turnovers. And you're losing a lot of those guys. And your quarterback has to come back from either a hip or ACL injury. There are certainly a lot of question marks for the Sarvada West squad heading into next year. I'm just going to be completely honest. But I do have faith in this coaching staff. I'm pretty sure that the head coach is a former NFL player. And, you know, he's shown the ability to adapt. Um, so, you know, hopefully they get some of these younger guys to step up. They already had some exposure. They're definitely a next guy up mentality. And, uh, you know, I think that they did a decent job of putting, you know, people into somewhat okay positions here and maximizing their um maximizing who they had they're also losing their third leading receiver ian lee who i just who's going to be coming out this wednesday on the request episodes he was a slot receiver who was pretty fast and also a threat on special teams but no they're losing a lot but if their quarterback can come back healthy he has two junior receivers who he got along with just fine this year and they'll find someone who's athletic to put in that slot position who you know could also lead in receptions and be a security blanket so we will see. If not, I have a lot of faith that this freshman quarterback, you know, with that playoff experience, could eventually be the future of the Sarvado West squad as well. So, All right. Well, <laughs> I mean, there you go. I'm excited for the Sarvado West next year. This year, they were a very pleasant surprise, probably one of the biggest surprises in all of Colorado football. I'm pretty... I'm pretty confident in saying that. In all Colorado football, they were a pretty big surprise here. So I, I, I like what I saw, you know, but uh, we'll, we'll see moving forward here. All 
Now coming up next, <laughs> we're gonna keep up this Arvada, you know, uh, theme here, and we're gonna talk about Ralston Valley. Now, I'm, I'm gonna be a little honest, uh, just a little honest with some of the viewers. Ralston Valley was not on good terms with us. I'm just gonna be real. I'm not gonna go no. into it, but I don't respect some of the things that I heard and some of the things that honestly were confirmed and whatnot. Yeah, like things that were that would have been career changing, honestly, for all of us here on the Playmakers Corner. And we don't take stuff like that lightly. With that being said, you know, as they had players. Yeah, they have players, you know, and they have players that have given us respect that don't know about some of that beef. And so we're going to put that behind us for now, and we're going to open the door of forgiveness because, you know, this is a team that I want to make sure we give credit to and talk about right now um, before next season and whatnot because they got some dudes out there for sure. But Ralston Valley, look, they're a team that historically, I mean, they basically just run the ball and play good defense. Like a lot of our Vatican teams, um, Columbine as well, you know, one of our former co-hosts, not anymore, but uh, Jesse Budin, he graduated from there, you know, and from what we saw, our, Va our Ralston Valley was doing a lot of the same things, but this year, you know, they decided to throw it just a little bit more here, you know, changing it up, you know, as they are finding the keys to success honestly and so the film i'm gonna play is actually up their sophomore quarterback logan madden who showed a lot of potential here at the end and they were rotating quarterbacks at times i assume trying to find one that could um uh, you know run a little bit of a different we're rotating a lot of quarterbacks this yeah. season yeah um, all found some success though. yeah no for sure they've definitely found some uh success there so i'm gonna play this kid's highlights here but on the year, went 9-3, pretty solid. I mean, we know what they do. It's pretty simple. They have talent over there. And so, I mean, they're going to play really good defense. And then offensively, usually they're just going to stack up and run it. But against Foster Ridge, 21-3, good up there. Uh, played a team, Freedom in Orlando. I'm not familiar with that one. But beat them 30-17. Beat Loveland, a good 4-18, 25-6. Beat Grandview, 24-13. Who won the uh, AYLs or not the <laughs> not the AYL Centennial League? <laughs> the Centennial League. My bad. I was thinking of it. It's the same thing. Beat Doherty, Not the biggest accomplishment, but still did it. Fifty-three to seven. Beat Mullen forty to fourteen. Lost the shocker to Pomona seventeen to three. Beat Lake Lakewood thirty-three zero. Beat Columbine thirty-five fourteen. You know, a team that runs a similar <laughs> offense to them. But they showed a little bit of versatility against Columbine, I think, here. Let me look at this box score real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, they're they quarterback. I, I watched the highlights, and they were they were spreading it out and yeah. and hitting some deep passes. Is it Wachner? James Wochner? Wachner? I'm sorry. I am, I apologize because I already know I'm saying it wrong. Well, he went 17 of 26, 182 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. Columbine was not ready for that. Uh, oh, also ran for two touchdowns and 72 rushing yards. So very interesting there, you know. Uh, so they so caught him slipping. But then against Arvada West, this one is a little weird. A low-scoring game, only 17-10. to 10. Uh, The quarterback threw three interceptions in this game. And so that changed up really fast. Ethan Cook didn't exactly have the greatest game either, though. Only threw for one touchdown. Um, how did they get... It must have been defense 
their defense must have scored a touchdown or something like that. Maybe a pick six because they only scored one touchdown on offense. So it had to have been something like that. But, eh, you know, not, not the worst loss, though. Arvada West was definitely, like, getting some stuff done. Then beat down Cherokee Trail, 42-20, badly. And then lost in a close the playoffs. One. In the playoffs, yes. And then lost a close one to Grandview, 20-16. Definitely a winnable game here. Um, but unfortunately, came up a little bit short here. Kind of struggled passing the ball, 2-5 for uh, their junior quarterback. 9-15 for their sophomore quarterback. Uh, you know, their uh, senior running back, Markel Collins, had... 79 yards and two touchdowns. This is probably a game where it just came down to who had the ball last year. And, I mean, unfortunately, Ralston Valley just couldn't take advantage of some of these turnovers as they did pick off Liam Zarka two times in this game. So, a tough season, you know. But altogether, I would say Ralston Valley definitely grew. You know, I mean, we saw a lot of players step up and do their things here. Uh, I mean, they just balled out. I want to shout out our guy, Jason Tommy. You know, he's with Team Full Gorilla. Excellent safety. Somebody who looks like a D2, D1 guy probably on the next level. Led the team with three interceptions. Also, led the team with three forced fumbles. Or, uh, yeah, forced fumbles as well. Doing his so he can play with pads on too. How about that? Yeah. Also had two, uh, re- recovered two fumbles as well. So, you know, pretty good. Pretty good there. And then obviously you had a couple guys on offense contribute here. Logan Madden led the well co-led the team with seven passing touchdowns. James woke uh, James here. I'm just gonna say that the junior uh, had seven touchdowns, but Zach Friedman had six touchdowns. So if you combine all their passing touchdowns together, they passed for 21 touchdowns, which I don't think they've done since Jacob Nip. Probably even then, I don't know. So so pretty good, you know, all together. And so I am actually gonna give them. A lot more credit here uh, as defensively we know what they do they're solid I'm not really worried about that offensively they have shown that they could grow a little bit here and so I'm gonna give them their credit but uh, Cody what do you think about Ralston Valley? I mean look I'm I'm really glad that we have a good relationship with the players there and you know that's what's important to us is spotlighting players that's what it's all about and, you know, there are some teams where the players have stood up for the wrong things and have ended up on our chopping block. Rawson Valley, uh, you know, we were definitely upset about, you know, some conversations that were had. But the players were like, hey, come on, let's, we want our film broken down. Talk about Rawson Valley, talk about Rawson Valley. And, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to say no to, A, a team that did perform very well this season and a team that, you know, I think is going to iron out some of these things. You know, when you're trying to develop uh, passing system there are going to be some growing pains uh, especially after you know being a running team for so long a wing t team for so long but i think they're trending in the right direction i mean look throwing for almost 2200 yards with three quarterbacks rotating in and running for 1800 yards basically 1900 yards that is a very balanced offense that i think can lead to a state championship in the coming future this is a pretty young team they are graduating people don't get me wrong including their leading tackler but they're also bringing back plenty of talent. You know, their leading rusher from last year ran for 500 yards. They're bringing him back. They're bringing back either Wilshner or Madden, one of the two, to play quarterback. And their leading receiver is returning. Two, actually, three of their top five leading receivers are returning. So 
there's a lot to smile and be happy about here for Rouston Valley looking towards the future. And, you know, if they can just iron some of these things out, play a little bit more consistently through the air and through the ground, just being consistently balanced, they have the defense to honestly make a run in state. They've been in contention basically every year for the past decade, but they have not broken into the ring status yet. Uh, obviously, this upcoming season, very tough. Creek, they are returning basically everybody. Um, but there's a lot to like here. Yeah, absolutely. And I, we'll, we'll see, you know. Really, when it comes down to it, it's which quarterback is going to show up and secure the job, you know. And maybe you know, one of these is more athletic than the other. That's fine, you know. But eventually, someone has to secure the job. So, just keeping all of that in mind, you know. But um, that's Ralston Valley. I'm excited for next year. I think there's a lot to be excited for, you know, for sure. And, uh, I mean, we're just going to have to see how, how um, you know, they continue to develop on offense you know not like I said like you said Cody we're doing this for the kids for the athletes you respect those athletes because uh, there are some programs where it's hard to respect anybody in the program so <laughs> Jesus <laughs> but, but, oh, okay I'm just saying I'm just saying it is and so uh, Ralston Valley I mean look athletes I think they have some good ones there definitely some guys who will be next level players um, someday, you know, but a very young team too, to be honest with you. But let's keep it going, Cody. Yeah, do you want... Let's let's try and wrap this up in under three hours. See if we can we... pull it off. We'll see. <laughs> but do you want to talk about Rock Canyon here? Yeah. So this is a team that I think is still coming into their own. This is a pretty new program, relatively new football program here, and so they still have to develop a passing offense for sure. But they did have some guys who could get it done in the backfield, and they have some big guys up front, too, who can run block very, very well. This team had two rushers who went for over 1,000 yards, which is crazy, including a junior who will be returning in Duda, Aiden Duda, Duda. I'm so sorry, Aiden. But, you know, he ran for 11 touchdowns, and then Bernie, who ran for 10 touchdowns and also 1,000 yards, you know, averaging almost seven yards per carry as an entire squad and rushing for 3,500 yards. And, you know, overall, they won their very first playoff game in program history. That's where they're at as a program. This is a very young team, a very young program, still trying to get their footing and figure some things out. But, I mean, huge congratulations to this team who, who did finally crack into, you know, a program win. And what was it? A thriller against Smoky Hill and an absolute shootout in two different, very different ways. Um, you know, Rock Canyon, they still have a lot of growing to do, but you got to be encouraged by this 6-6 six and six finish, almost beating an Arapaho, well, scoring 35 points against this Arapaho defense that was pretty crazy, competing against Thunder Ridge. You know, you want to see them close that gap against Valor Christian, but also getting a win against Castleview? Take that. Um, and, you know, Rock Canyon, they have a lot of guys who have chips on their shoulders and who are working very, very hard. And, uh, you know, I think that they have plenty of talent to, you know, compete in this pretty tough Highlands Ranch, you know, kind of conference here. Not to mention that they have to compete for talent with, you know, Mountain Vista, Thunder Ridge, Valor Christian, 
Um, they're pretty close to Valor Christian, actually. I know because I work right next to Valor Christian, and sometimes I have to go to a rec center that's right next to Southbridge. So it's tough over here. You, you know, honestly, Thunder Ridge isn't even that far either. It's like it's like a 10-minute drive. So there's a lot of high schools, needless to say, in very close proximity to one another. But, you know, this, this Rock Canyon school still found ways to get it done, and they have some threats like DeAndre Horn, who can catch it through the air. And so hopefully more of these athletes developing, and they just have a lot of athletes, I should say, in general. And so if they can get someone who can distribute the ball through the air to these athletes, I think that they could be a serious threat in this conference and maybe even make some more noise in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, agreed. I don't have too much more to say. Um, look, they got a lot of talent out there. You know, I mean, season-wise, you look at the record, it's like, ah, you know, they're 6-6. Six and six, That's okay here. But, you know, I mean, hey, they, they had some good performances here beating Mountain Vista. That's not a bad squad. You know, they got mm -hmm. some beats. Like you said, Thunder Ridge isn't bad. Uh, or... Wait, hold up. Yeah, losing to A-Rap by a, a touchdown basically isn't bad. I mean, this is a team that's young. Like you said, they're building, and they're going to get better here. Look, guys, look out for DeAndre Horn. Absolutely. He should be a... He's a freak. Yeah, he's a freak of nature. He plays tight end, and I think that's where he's going to play on the next level. Uh, he should be a three-star guy, honestly. Just That's just on athleticism. I'm not even talking really skill yet. But from what we've seen, easily a three-star guy. He is uh, probably our highest-rated tight end going into next year, I would say. Yeah, um, he's insane. And we haven't rated him yet, <laughs> so there you go. But, uh, yeah, I don't have too much more to say, Cody, to be honest with you. I mean, 3-2 and two in the league is pretty dang impressive. Um, yes, it is. I have, to put some, I have to put some serious respect on that, and, yeah, I'm just... I'm pretty excited for where this Rock Canyon school can go, and I, I like being in the community, so I kind of got my my ear to the ground on that part, and uh, yeah, but uh, Shout out that doesn't for Rose and Meyer as well. Oh yes, 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 yes. I uh, yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna be a really good. You know, I'm just gonna say that right now. Will Rosemeyer, he was a sophomore this year. I think we'll be a junior next year. I mean, he's going to make a radar. He's already on our radar, so that means he's going to be on a couple radars already if he's not already um, because he is with Team Full Gorilla and is one of their younger players over there. But excellent corner, somebody to look out for as well. We'll see. I mean, Rock Canyon, man, they can make some noise here and make it interesting, more interesting. So um, we'll, we'll see about that. But uh, keep this one going as we're going to talk about our last goal here. Because it is three hours into the stream. <laughs> and if there's any school we missed, uh, which there shouldn't be too many now, we'll talk about them on another stream. Pro yeah, I'd rather talk about them on, on, on another stream than an episode, to be honest with you. Yeah. But. So, do you want to take the lead on this last program? Yeah. Let's talk Regis Jester with you. So. God. Okay. Here's the sad thing about Regis Jesuit. We knew about all their talent over there. Nuni Tuatelli, you know, um, the Carroll brothers, both of them, Xavier, Alexander. Um, how come I can't think? Jaden Franklin, defense, or Franklin, their defensive tackle, for sure. We knew about him. They had another guy. Was it, uh, oh my gosh, how come I can't think of his name right now, Cody? 
He's a senior. He was a senior this year, and he was going to go on. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about Metzger. <laughs> no, I... God, they had they had a couple guys here. I'm gonna open Ezra Ikuba, Ikuban. There you go. He's oh, right, going right, to right, right, right. Yeah, so they had he him. had a he had a shorter season, right? Uh, no, he played the full. He, he was no, there. he played all eleven. Mm-hmm. He was. I mean, it's a tough. They had a lot of pass rushers, to be honest with you. Between Nudi, Ezra, uh, Hayden Moore, who is a five or not a five star, sorry, a D one guy. You know, had five sacks on the season. He had Metzger in there as well. I mean, this was a pretty good stack reaches Jesuit squad. Ugh. But when it came down to it, we looked at their offense. They had, uh, I believe it was Xander Carroll, right? At quarterback, Cody. I want to say. Yeah, Xavier and Carroll Xavier was the running, was the running back. back. I just did yeah. his breakdown recently. Yeah, and they're, they're good, like, athletes for sure. But were they going to be good enough to beat Barrow Christian and, um, and Cherry Creek? The honest answer, in our opinion, was no. They just weren't going to. They're going to make the playoffs for sure. You know, they're going to not go <coughs> like you know one and done in the playoffs. They're at least going to make the second round, maybe make a deep playoff run. But making state, I think, was just something that we felt like was just not going to happen with what they had right now. And let's talk about their season real quick here. Opened it, opened it up against Valor Christian. Lost twenty-four to six. That's not too bad, honestly. Then they beat Highlands Ranch 52-17, beat Bowling 35-21, beat Smoky Hill 42-7, lost to Cherry Creek 34-14. That's probably a game where two or, th- two or three things go different on offense, then maybe you're in contention there. Beat Chaparral up 56-14, lost a shootout with Legend 42-41, and that's an extremely talented offensive squad. So there you go. Bounce back, though, naturally against Doherty, 56-3. Um, continued their run in the Springs, beating Pine Creek, 24-14. You know, beat Douglas County, 34-24. Uh, and then in the playoffs, beat Pomona, 28-21 after their bye. Then only lost to Cherry Creek, 28-7 here. I mean, like I said, and that, that 28-7, by the way, were actually, I think Nui uh, to Italy, he was out after that Pine Creek game. So for them to beat Pomona, Douglas County like that, and for it to be as close as it, as it was against Cherry Creek, <coughs> it's pretty good here. Now, let's enter an alternate universe real quick here, and let's talk about the quarterback situation as Nico Markiel, and I don't care if I'm saying his name right or wrong, to be honest with you. Well, okay, I care a little bit. I don't want to be that disrespectful. But honestly, he's a four-star guy, you know, grew up in Colorado, and all that. His dad played with the Saints. He was a linebacker and whatnot. Um, his son ended up being a quarterback, you know. And so he grew up in Colorado, played for Regis Jesuit his freshman and his sophomore year. And then he left for Arizona. And it was kind of weird because, I mean, it wasn't like he wasn't getting, like, looks. I mean, his sophomore season, he led Regis Jesuit to an 11-1 record and an appearance in the quarterfinals. You know, also tossed 27 touchdowns, eight picks, um, you know, in in that season. And CSU and CU both offered him uh, after that. And then after that, like a couple other uh, teams offered him as well. You know, he was getting D1 offers. And then he just chose to leave for Chandler, Arizona, which is really interesting, but just a very – or sorry – yeah, Chandler, Arizona, and then enrolled at Hamilton. 
And, I mean, like, I look, I'm going to be honest with you. He was going to get the same offers from ASU, Michigan State, Florida, Georgia, LSU. Like, we, Braden Dorman got all those same offers, you know. And so for him to leave, we just Jesuit like that, one has to think, if he stayed these last two years, would Regis have a state championship? And I think the answer is probably yes, because then you're moving Xander uh, to probably a more appropriate position on the next level. Same with, um, well, I mean, everyone else basically stays the same. And you have a pro-style quarterback with a great, talented defense. I mean, two of their linemen, or uh, not linemen, two of their linebackers made our top five list last year. I mean, dog, I don't know what you want. Like, it's, I don't know, bro, but, like, it's definitely just a little disappointing in hindsight because we knew what Reach Jesuit could have done, but because of that loss, we didn't really take them seriously. Cody, I mean, do you, what do you have to say about that, honestly? Because that's just where I'm at. Reese Miller would have also still been at Regis, too. That, too. I mean, because when he left, other players left because he left, too. And so I don't yeah. know if there was a disagreement with the Regis Jesuit coaching staff or whatever, but they at least costed Regis a state championship appearance with that. So if that was the case. Yeah, I feel like Regis, they're a team that are, that's always good, but not quite. Um, look, they, they've had multiple players on top five lists. Uh, like Simon said, you know, linebacker consideration. Go ahead and also listen to you know, episode 128, where Mason talks about best of the rest, edge rushers, where he breaks down uh, Tuatelli's film. Listen to episode 130, where I break down Xavier Carroll's film, who's, you know, a very athletic running back. Xander, he's just not quite, or at least last year, he just wasn't quite at the quarterback. I mean, look, he put up good numbers of 14 touchdowns and three picks, but he's not a quarterback at heart, I don't think. Yeah. Um, he's just an athlete. Um, who who opens up a lot of opportunities by being an athlete. But, you know, this team was definitely missing some big pieces. Fortunately, I mean, they are graduating a handful of players, which is true, but they are returning a lot of players. The Regis is a team that reloads pretty, pretty well. Uh, they get a lot of talent from that AYL area. So, uh, especially on the Aurora side, uh, whenever they can. So, you know, they're a team that I think can honestly go eight and four again next year. Uh, you could take that as a compliment. You could take that as, as a slight. Um, that's just kind of how it is. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say. They, I think they will have to compete with Pine Creek for their, for their conference now though. Um, and yeah. that's something to keep an eye on. So that's tough. Um, yeah, that's tough. And I mean, I went to uh, Regis Jesuit and Pine Creek freshman game. And oh boy, there's a lot of talent on both sides. Pine Creek definitely took care of Regis in that freshman game. Uh, kind of, not easily, but like, you know, uh, Cam Coop, he threw like three or four touchdowns, scored three or four touchdowns, something like that, a casual three or four. And um, that's arguably, I think a lot of people are saying they're the best uh, freshman team in the state outside of Pine Creek. So we'll have to see. They're, they're going to move up. They're going to get better. It's just disappointing. You know, to think about the what-ifs. Like, what if Nico stayed? You know, I think we would have seen a lot more competition. I think Regis Jesuit easily could have replaced Valor Christian in um, at the, in the state championship. But uh, but we'll never know. You know, and so yes, we'll never know. 
Yeah, it's uh, just how it is right now. So uh, there you go. But uh, hey, that wraps up this episode. Uh, man. Thank you for sticking with us. Also, if yes. there are any teams that you didn't hear, before you go requesting them, go ahead and listen to Playmaker's Corner Episode 100 and Playmaker's Corner Episode 101. There is plenty to talk about in those season and reviews. Episode 100 being 1 through 3A, episode 101 being 4A and 5A. So uh, get, go ahead and listen to those. We need 11 more listens for those to reach 500. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll buy Simon a Whataburger. I'm looking for an excuse to go there. So, uh, Simon, keep an eye on those numbers. 500 and your Whataburger meal is on me. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see about that. But, uh, yeah. You not want for free food? Sure. It just comes with with this with stipulation. So help Coach V. I appreciate that. But, I mean, help us. And go ahead and follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, t- Twitter, and TikTok at Playmakers Corner. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Playmakers Corner. That's where we'll be posting this entire live stream. Uh, we'll, I don't know. I'll think about putting in <laughs> uh, timestamps and whatnot. I'm sure that'll help. And whatnot. I'll think about that either that or maybe splitting up some of these segments here and posting them. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll think about all that stuff. So just go ahead and subscribe to us there. Also, follow us uh, on Twitch. Appreciate y'all. Uh, we're at 37 followers, which is pretty good. And we are at a pretty steady couple uh, watchers a, a stream, which is great. We appreciate y'all. You know, hey, 50, we get to affiliate, and that would help us out a lot, money-wise. <laughs> Not even gold cap. So, there you go there, but thank you so much for rocking with us. Look out for these request episodes coming out. Streams, Sundays or Wednesdays, we'll figure it out, depending on just what works best for a schedule as I am now working <laughs> a job. Or, well, yeah, I'm working a job now, uh, outside of this, so we're gonna have to balance some of that out. And, uh, I mean, things are just going to be busy for us. So we're doing what we can this offseason covering uh, Colorado football, women's flag football. That season is ending soon here. We're in the last couple weeks. We're going to hit postseason. And then the Nationals as well. So so there you go there. If you're following that, uh, thank you for following it. It's the future of football. So you might as well do it. So, uh, yeah. But I've been your host, co-host, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. If you're wondering when to listen to streams, just follow us on social media where we put up announcements. I'm your other co-host, Cody Stoffer, and if you have any complaints about the request episodes on Monday and Wednesday, well, Mason and I are out of town, and Simon is working on women's flag football, so that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. All right, y'all have a good one.